Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise. Join Will Tondo and Jake Zimmer every week as we dive into interviews with leaders in the craft beer, business news, and sports entertainment world. This podcast wouldn't be here without Spotify. Get to know Spotify for podcasters, the free all-in-one podcast platform for every creator. This tool allows you to publish shows to all major platforms and helps turn your passions into careers. To find out more, head over to podcasters.spotify.com. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code BBB for all wager incentives. That's code BBB only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope is here. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org if you have any issues. Play it smart from the start with GameSense. Now, here's our episode of Beers, Business, and Balls. Welcome to episode 128 of Beers, Business, and Balls. This is our three-year anniversary special episode. Three years of BBB. Uh, I think we're a few weeks late, but that's okay. We're still celebrating three weeks of the pod. Scheduling, scheduling issues with our Hall of Fame guests. <laughs> we, yes, we, we had some conflicts. Um, we were able to book one John Fantana, as Dave Silverman says. Um yeah, John Fanta and Dave Silverman, uh, some of the original Hall of Fame beers, business, and balls guests. Dave Silverman, the first and forever guest, which you you coined that term today. I don't think no, you said, said it in the previous I, one. I think I said it in the last one. Did you say the first and forever? I think I have to go back and listen because like, when I said it, it came too easy off the tip that I'm like, this is definitely been used before but it's... dave silverman first guest and forever guest that was i i mean i still remember it's like when we we recorded our first episode and it's like okay we got to get guests on who do we know that's cool <laughs> and we're like dave silverman is our guy and I mean, we were right and he's oh no he's awesome but it's like every time new stories new things and you know we're always we're always happy to have him on and you know we're gonna go whale watching we're gonna go storm chasing we're gonna have a live show at gillette so Always good to have Dave Silverman photography on the podcast. And then John Fanta, friend of the program. Uh, but not much more you can say about John Fanta. It's going to get to the point where he's going to be a – he's already a, a big star. He's going to be a mega star by our four-year anniversary. So these – I'm just going to go ahead and say it. These might be two of the most interesting men that I know, like personally. People. I think these are – the two guys that when someone asked me like, Oh, who are the most interesting people? Like I would point to Dave Silverman as one. I would definitely point to Fanta as one. The stories and how great they are at their jobs and advice they give and experiences and people they've met and the things they've done 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Um, that's why they're hall of fame. Any remarks uh, on throw? Oh, we have an announcement. We do have an announcement. I'm honestly glad that our three-year anniversary got delayed because we found this out this week. If you saw on our Instagram, and if you remember, 
way back when, this was 2021, we had Jim McCoon from the Craft Beer Marketing Awards. I will say what episode this is. It was... Oh, where are you, Jim? That was a really good episode. We're like, 79? Yeah, this, uh, 71? This was 68 on November 17th, 2021. So that was a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, we had the Craft Beer Marketing Awards on the podcast to talk about uh, their awards that they do at the you know National Brewers Association conference every year, talking about all of the marketing efforts and everything outside of the beer, from tap handles to can labels to tattoos to everything, and also craft beer podcasts. So we're excited to announce the 2023 Best Beer-Related Podcast in the United States, a Gold Crushy winner, is yours, Beers, Business, and Balls. Pretty fucking cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm not mincing at this because that is something where it's like, we did the application in December and kind of forgot about it. Oh, I, and... I forgot. I just assumed that they crowned somebody. It, it was like, you were like, yo, should we send it and just apply? It's however much. But yeah, screw it. What, what do we have to lose? And I forgot about it. I forgot about it. And it wasn't until, what, what was that? Tuesday, we got the call. I believe it was Tuesday. Yes. Tuesday that I was scrolling through Instagram and they posted a story that they were going live to announce the winners. I go, eh, it's the end of the work day. I'll throw it on. Didn't think much of it. I had it in the background and I'm typing away and I hear the podcast category and it's okay. And they're, they're saying, and they're saying, and then the gold crushy from house enterprise. Well, no, they said from Providence, Rhode Island. And I, I turned Providence, Rhode Island. I don't know any other other beer podcasts in Providence, Rhode Island. That small state big takes are fucking with us. Yeah. House Enterprise, Beers, Business, and Balls, hosted by Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo. And I I paused and then I called you and I go, we just want a fucking crushy. (laughs) We are an award-winning podcast, and this was at a global this is a global award. Yeah, there were some out of the U.S. pods on there that there won platinum. Some. I think we did get usurped by platinum crushies, but that's okay. It's gold. It's we gold. Got, we won gold. We pl- we, we placed. Gold. We won we, an award. We won an award, and this was against hundreds of entries and hundreds of judges listening to our episode saying, "Yeah, these guys are decent." <laughs> so, yeah. We were owners of the crushy and those trophies are pretty sick. They're They're sick. So So add it to the freaking hardware box. Add it to the hardware box. Next up is Rhode Island monthly. I know. Hopefully everyone voted. I voted a few times. I hope so. I hope so. I did uh, every one of my browsers. um, I did every one of my browsers on mobile. I think I did my work computer too. Yeah. I, I mean, I I was texting it to everybody. I go vote, 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 vote. So let's let's definitely. I hope so. I um, again, I don't know. Listen, if small state big takes were to take the crown, that's okay. That's okay in the fa- in the family and the brand. In the fine. family, we will we would die for small state big takes. Absolutely, but <laughs> that made it a little bit. And again, we're never about the awards. We never really care about the awards because it's like we're here to talk to cool people and share stories and just shoot the shit on the podcast. But that felt pretty damn cool and pretty damn good that it's like people think we're actually entertaining enough to give us. People don't think we suck. They give us a gold trophy. 
Maybe some people think we suck, but it doesn't matter because the people that think we don't suck. We got a gold grouchy. <laughs> yeah, if you think we suck, sorry. The joke's on you because you're listening. We are the best beer-related podcast in the United States. Eat my shorts. <laughs> Eat my shorts. Beers, Business, and Balls takes home a gold crushy in 2023. Uh, thank you all. Thank all you listeners, because you know, I don't really think they looked at listener count, but you uh, you keep us going. You keep us going, people. So and thank you to our guests. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for people giving the time. Anyone who's we've reached out to and, and people who have reached out to us. I mean, one of their one of our submissions was actually uh, the uh, brewery in New Jersey. Um, we had to you know choose different episodes that we felt were. Is it Death of the know, Fox? death of the fox we chuck had to charity choose- thank you chuck yeah we had to uh pick different episodes that we felt best encompassed our our beer podcast so he was one of them we did uh brendan o'donnell friend over at newport craft second or first one did we do i think it was the it was second the second one because it was in a year calendar yeah um kevin chipman and uh Chirag over at St. John's Brewery. Yeah, that was an awesome one. That was very cool. And I went in the process of moving. I actually found uh, the cool out and it's still I'm waiting for the right time to break that out because it's not now. And then um, our friends over at Deadlow, Christine and Yvonne. Those were our best four beer episodes. I think I think we've got to put now that we've just done Gary Rogers. I honestly think he was up there, too. There's yeah. Gary Rogers. Like True North was a very good episode. We have an upcoming episode that was pretty freaking good too. That was an awesome one. Yes. We, no spoilers, but that was a very good one. It was a good one. So a lot of good beer content. A lot of good beer content. And more to come. More to come. More good beer content to come. Uh, it's incredibly exciting. So uh, that's it. This is This is an award-winning show. Congratulations to you because you're listening to an award-winning show, the listener. Not many pods can say that. I mean, if you're an AWL, that's one thing, but that's that's okay. We we can shake hands with part of my take. It's fine. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. But on to our three-year episode, we have – we'll kick it off with Dave Silverman first. Sure. Why not? Silverman always – First guest and forever guest. And he tells us about the upcoming Patriots schedule, what's going on in his world, uh, his travel plans, plans with us, because I hope this comes to fruition. And then we'll swing it over to John Fanta, who, you know, talks about the incredible season he's had, shoots the shit with us, dives into a bunch of things in the college basketball world. And again, both people were always great and thankful to chat with. So Here's Dave Silverman, followed by John Fanta. All right, everybody, with us this week for our three-year anniversary, our first guest and our forever guest, we always say this, Hall of Famer, Dave Silverman. What's up, guys? Um, How you doing? Welcome back to the podcast, and uh, how's it How's it going? Everything's good. Everything's good. Life is good. Talking football and all that again, so we're ready to go. Do you remember our first interview? You definitely do. I, I should have listened to it before. But I probably do. <laughs> that was three years ago. I don't remember last week. I don't remember earlier today what I did. Is this uh, your, and also I think this 
Tondo, we've got to check the archives here, but I do think Silverman has been lapped by some others as far as appearances on the pod in total, but none of them match you. You, I believe, were crowned the Hall of Fame guest first before any... You're the inaugural beer well, physicist same, Hall of Famer. Well, same as uh, Fantana. <laughs> yes. Fantana, John Fantana. No, yeah, so four-time guest, first Hall of Famer for our two, I think it was it was last year, our two-year anniversary. So yep. you still owe us, we still owe us a trip to McBride's and we still have your plaque and uh, okay, some yeah. so We tried to do this live, I mentioned it, but you know, this is a tough time of year. May is kind of a tough time of year for all of us. I think you guys we'll are do, busy. We'll do, I think honestly, like we really do need to do a day in the life of you heading to a game and what, what the, the camera follows the cameraman. Uh, yeah, good luck at look, getting the Patriots to let you do that. <laughs> well, well, we'll and then get you, you got to go by me. So, you know, it's got to be more than an award. And <laughs> we'll slap you, we'll slap a GoPro onto you and just let uh, you follow, walk and follow it around. They've tried to do that before. So there's nothing. Oh, there. wow. Actually, I always say if I stand still long enough, they'll put a billboard on me there. You know? Oh, geez. They're going to sell ad space on you. What, um, yes. What are the odds we can do a live show at Gillette Stadium? Depending on when you do it. Interesting. I meant with you. I meant like, you know, the yeah, three know, of us. You could probably do it at a camp sometime, maybe uh, in the background. I don't know if they'll let you do it during the camp, but you can do it there on the grass or whatever. Intriguing. Intriguing. You know, we, can, we, can, we can talk to people. Okay. But then you got to see if you can get like an old Patriot on or something like that. Yeah. You know, oh, so no. We, we, can't do, we can't have a former football player on. Oh, no. Because <laughs> they'd be fun, unlike me. How about You've like, always been. Oh, who I know would that. be a good, like, I don't know, like an Andre Tippett, maybe? Well, you mentioned Matt Light. Yeah, Matt Light would Andre. be pretty cool. So, there's nothing against Andre, but Matt's got stories. Matt's a good storyteller. If you want a really good watching the two guys together, I saw them at the um, at, at a, a presentation earlier with Matt Light and uh, Joe Andruzzi. Get the two of them in one place, and you're, you're going to have a good time. You guys won't even be seen because they'll just be take over the show that's okay yeah actually you can get all if you can get all the um the good old boys the offensive line you know uh him and hockstein and uh all those guys together Let's for bring, like logan mankins back man well that's, that's what i'm saying they used to one of our super bowls it wasn't logan because he never won a super bowl because he left too early um uh, they pulled up in a winnebago to craft's house for a super bowl and it was all the all the uh well, the homeboys, you know, pulling in and, you know, they, they had their drinks in the cars and they come out of a Winnebago and ready to party, get their rings. We had uh, Dan Copen on a couple, couple months, uh, more than a couple months ago. That was like almost a, probably a year probably, ago. Probably a year ago. Yeah. He had some great stories. And uh, did you go to his beer place? Nine Line Cider. We had them on from uh, Squad Locker. He's there, our merch provider. Okay. We had him and uh, Tip Fairchild. But yeah, he was telling us about Line Cider and stuff. Uh, they're on our list to hit up. Got a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot of conversations to still be had. He also, I mean, we just did this the other day, Tondo. Super Bowl guests. Malcolm Mitchell stood up here and he's like, I probably nobody else has won a Super Bowl. And we're like, well, actually, Dave Silverman's won a Super <laughs> Bowl. Really? Yeah. Like, I didn't win one. I, I... I'm there capturing their win. How's that? You have but, a Super Bowl ring. That's what we care about. Well, you have what? You have six of them? Four? Four. 
four of the six. All right. That's four times more than Malcolm Mitchell has. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty much more than most of the people in the NFL. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't earn it. I, I, I get to uh, fly in other people's work. How's that? I mean, I do with the behind the scenes stuff. So it's, you know, but it's not the same as being the guy who gets beaten up. I was going to say, you know, if we're talking to active people, active NFL personnel, you got to be top five of the list. For working staff or what? People who are still, yeah, working staff, but still working, you know, a regular season. Because there's probably a lot of Patriots people that have retired. Obviously, Robert. Wow. Do you want the number? What? Of most, like, active people with the most Super Bowl wins? What do we got? Tom Brady. It's only three. No, Brady's not active. Well, yeah, well. It it's only have. three on, it's and only it's guys that you photographed it was joe thuney and matt slater they are tied for the most career wins by an active player in super bowls with three so right. i don't see dave silverman on here that's you, you uh never, you never will but do you, i have to report that for misinformation staff, if you look at staff then you're whole you're, you're talking a whole lot of people you'd be oh surprised. yeah that's that's not fair that's that's not fair no, to it's take very into fair. this though it's very fair you know, we, you know, we don't we don't get beaten up, so we last a lot longer. <laughs> Although I will have to say, Tippett has every ring, and don't forget, he also has the '86 ring, the AFC True. championship ring, not a Super Bowl. Guy was so a monster. Was there. What's that? Guy was a monster. We saw him probably like five years ago at the CVS uh, Celebrity Pro Am in Barrington, and I will say, he, he's uh, gotta love the guy. He's not the best golfer though. I've seen better golfers than Andre Tippett. He's got a bad back. Yeah. And he'll tell you that, and I'll just tell you that until we stick up for him, but he probably golfs more than all of you guys do. <laughs> he probably does. Hey, A-plus guy, though. A-plus guy. He was walking around, like, waving, signing stuff. A-plus a dude. He's the best. He gets it. He was probably one of the first players I met. I used to uh, – he had a dojo back in the day. Oh. And watching this big guy – deal with these five-year-old kids teaching karate was pretty impressive you know talking back in 90 uh 92 when he had his studio and going there and watching him work with 30 kids and just watch this big guy just deal with them and he was so friendly and so happy to work with them and it was great it was you know he, he was always friendly to me i always talked to him and even now we go and talk to one another in bs and had the chance to go see him get into the hall of fame and you know followed him around he'd do anything for anybody but you talk about, you know, not being beat up on the field, but have you had any close calls or? Nope. You know? Nope. We don't talk about that. So okay. Gotcha. Nope. We don't want it to happen. I've got a good streak going. Can't jinx yourself. Window. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Even at any school, any of the colleges or anything. Well, this year, a couple of times, very close getting hit by softball. So it's, uh, right now, you know, far as football, nothing so far. The fedora is just a magic bottle bubble. Uh, it does scare a lot of people away. <laughs> Oh, shit. Here comes Silverman. <laughs> I think I've said the exact words to you in the fedora. Like, oh, shit. Here comes oh, Silverman. Here he comes. Go away. What does he want? Although, I will say that around the stadium, people know it because of the fedora. I don't get in trouble because they know it's Silverman. Uh, one time I went on there and I was going to see someone on the field just on a regular day. And I kind of went out there and three security guards come in and out. Tapped me on the shoulder. I turn and I goes, where are you at? <laughs> I didn't have my hat on. They didn't know who I was. Hey, I, I stuck up for you a couple weeks ago. Well, maybe not stuck up for you, depending on how you look at it. But okay. when I did the Revs game against New York City FC on April 1st, 
the game press staff needed pictures. They're like, we're, we don't have the right pictures. And, you know, an unnamed staff member said, Dave Silverman's definitely not here. Otherwise, I would text him. And I look around and I see your damn hat. And I go, hold on. <laughs> I point right to the fedora. I go, you see that guy in the hat? She goes, oh, he's here. Yep. Just got to follow it because it moves quickly. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a slow guy. So I don't know. Depending on if they ask you to do any work, that's my fault, but. Okay. Well, I actually, I got in trouble from Sarge the other day. Not, not in Uh-oh. trouble. He says, um, it was nice what you did for uh, Jake doing that uh, sound videotape and, you know, really appreciate it. You know, you never sent me one. <laughs> so the next I think game. He sent I, me I, that too. I, He's like, why the hell did Silverman do that? And he said, so the next game I, I kind of had to do it. So, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta be even with everybody up there. Fair. You're an impartial guy. You're the people's photographer. Can we? That would be actually pretty cool. Dave Silverman, the people's photographer. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's not. You didn't. How like many it. people okay. go? Oh, that asshole! Come on. <laughs> We're trying to make some you shirt. Won't, you, won't have, you won't have a lot. Of, you won't have a lot of guys say that. I, I try to be nice to everybody, and if I don't, I just don't talk to you, and I already ignore you. That's why I always come and say hi to you guys. Well, we always appreciate it. Um, so, how has it been shooting the Rebs? Good. You know, they're on a hot streak. Uh, they did lose the other night uh, to Pittsburgh Hounds, something like that. And, uh, was that, and that Open was Cup? But that was their second. No, it was a, a, a Lamar Hunt Cup. Ah, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we had our double, our second team then. It wasn't our first guy. So, you know, no excuses. Uh, we'll go ahead down to Miami this week, play there, and uh, we should beat them. We're, 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 we're in pretty good shape as long as we can stay healthy. Well, they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, have you noticed that too? Like, I think, at least for Will and I, we've sort of just looked at the Revs and said, yeah, you know, they're they're whatever. They're an MLS team that, you know, it's. I don't want to say like a joke because they're not a joke. It's pro no. soccer, but it's sort of like, you know, nobody really gives a crap about soccer. And to see them sell 30,000 the other day against FC Cincinnati, I mean, that was pretty cool. So have you noticed inside the stadium, like this year, a little bit more buzz than the past couple of years? Or how's that been? You know, it's uh, I've had a chance this year. I'm actually traveling with the Revs, so I've had a chance to go to a lot of the other stadiums. Most of them only fit twenty five to thirty thousand, and it's such a different atmosphere than our stadium, where you get thirty thousand and it's empty. Um, the crowds are a little louder in the other places and stuff like that, probably because of the size, because it's more compact in these other stadiums. Um, but they're there because we know they know we're going to win. We we play very well. Um, Cincinnati was, you know, was two number one teams. So, you know, it was a very important game. That's why they come out. What stadiums have you been to? Um, LA, which is by far what everyone says is the best the crowd, just on their feet the whole time, dancing and jumping around and noisy the whole time. That was a great see or LA uh, galaxy. Uh, what's the other one? FC. Yes. FC. The one that just, they, yeah, they, they, they yeah. just won the uh, thing last year. Yeah, so um, so them. That's sweet. Um, just got back from Toronto. That was a nice little stadium. I hear the Miami ones, which is actually in Fort Lauderdale, is not that great, but they're waiting to build one. Um, Carolina. Actually, we played in Carolina where the Panthers play, and it was the first game of the season. They sold out and had sixty thousand there. <sighs> so that's, that's pretty crazy. impressive. But their average is thirty, so they had the same situation as us. Big stadium, not a lot of crowd. Um, going to Atlanta at the end of the month. And that sold out 70,000 every single game. And that's the, that's at the Mercedes. At the Dome, right. 
that's pretty amazing. And Seattle does the same thing. I don't know what, I don't think we're going there this year, but Seattle sells out 60,000 people too. So yeah, we had, the, we had the opportunity to go to uh, TQL in Cincinnati, um, their new stadium for FC Cincinnati. And that was, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the size capacity was, but it's around 20 K. What a stadium. I mean, it blew out the, where uh, the Bengals play in great American ballpark. It was really? just new and shiny and this beautiful big structure. And it was, that was a cool experience. I think eventually when the crafts build theirs for the revs, that's going to be pretty impressive. Cause at this point it would probably be the newest one. Yeah. NYCFC just dropped renderings for 2027. Um, and that's going to be right across the street from City Field. Really? Yeah. So impressive. yeah. Actually, New York FC has got to do something. They play at Yankee Stadium, and they have the same situation. It's so far away. It's not the same. Yeah. And the rumors, that. there are rumors going around because there was just a large piece of land right near Encore Casino in Everett that just yep. got bought by a construction developer. And that's been rumored to be the site for a potential new soccer-specific stadium in the Boston area. Um, very interesting stuff. That's all I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that because there's no real more facts other than like one person got on Twitter and said, hey, this is happening. My source is my cousin's building it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but building it for who? Like who's that, That's it? the thing. You know, he could be building it for Joe Schmo and whatever, but no, I mean, that's... Rumors are everywhere. They want to. They want to be in Boston. They know that. So, I think the crowds is, know that too. First, like they're going to do first class. They'll have concerts there and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be nice. Those smaller stadiums are so nice. But I think the crafts like. know that. Like you know, they're not dumb. They look around and they say like, "Oh, this could be unbelievably successful if we just had a rev specific stadium, right? Like if we had a stadium of thirty thousand, they could sell that thing out every day if it were in a place right. like Everett." And well, that's the whole goal, and that's why they've been waiting so long to get the right place. They had some places in Boston, and they just can't get it done, just like they couldn't get the stadium done. They were very close to coming to Providence, you know. Yeah. Before Gillette was built, they were very close, and uh, you know, it was hard with Buddy down there too. And uh, was it Link Almond there, or was it Chafee who was the whatever? I think it was Link Almond, and it was just couldn't get it done. Couldn't but get it too done. Too bad. It went right in our backyard, right across the street from the app. Could have been a what if, you know? Could have been a that would be so cool if the Patriots ended up in Providence. Oh my god. (laughs) Imagine that. It would have been kind of cool, but you know what? Gillette's kind of nice. They really wanted it in Boston. That would have been the ideal spot. I mean, look at all these other stadiums. You fly over the city and there's a big stadium there. It's it's tremendous. I I will say it's like Foxborough's cool and they've done a great job with Patriots Place. I do wish it were in a city. Like that would be awesome if it was I like kind of like not. the vibe of Fenway or, you know, somewhere in Back Bay, right? I feel like that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm in the other way because I don't want to drive to Boston. Well, that's a fair point, too. You know, you've got a game down there. I can imagine just regular having a Monday night football or a uh, Thursday night football game there. Oh, you're there? done. Yeah. I mean, you've got to leave at 8 in the morning. Actually, 8 in the morning, it's too crowded. You go <laughs> now, You if you leave for Boston at 5 in the morning now, it's tough to get there. Yeah. So, but... I like where we're at. I like the stadium. Waiting to see the new improvements. Uh, Jake, you've seen it, so uh, it's pretty impressive, right? That the scoreboard's game. nuts. But I also heard they only had to finish it because Taylor Swift—it was in her rider that she wanted to see herself perform. It won't be ready. Well, I heard she, that too. She's not going to be happy. <laughs> I heard that too. I don't know. Well, you actually work with the people upstairs who run the board, so they know more than I do. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, is it not ready? I thought it was ready. 
they have a portion of it. It's not. I thought hard. it was fully done, like to the end of the thing. I thought that's all they needed to do. It's built in, but you, you know, there's there's a lot of wires back there, you know. Yeah, it's true. You know, so I don't I don't know. That's I heard the same thing you did, but I heard it might not be ready. Well, she might have so a full a scoreboard. Way. It just might not be working. <laughs> so that's obviously long horizontally, but is it as tall as City Field's new monster one? I don't even think Ours it's close. the biggest in the country. Okay. It will it's be. A lo- it's until the biggest, Jones- like, square footage. Yeah. Right. Until Jerry Jones extends his by a foot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that tower is pretty impressive. That's going to be able to uh, – people can uh, be able to rent out the back and uh, oh, the tower and watch a game from up there and have a party up there and all that. So that would be pretty interesting. They didn't make any progress on our scaling the lighthouse idea from last year, did they? No, nah, we, we haven't pushed it yet. They, were, they didn't know when they were going to get done. Like uh, Silverman's talking again. I'm hoping I'm going to get up there next week and take a peek. For like up to the top? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, talk to some people. Uh-huh. I'm wear my hat and find some people. <laughs> so with the topic of the Patriots, obviously before we hopped on, we just got the schedule release. Uh, first and foremost, the video dropped. If you haven't, spoiler alert, we got a little cameo. for. Well, we got a lot of cameos, but we got a cameo from uh, – Mr. TB12 himself, who makes his return um, pretty early on. What is it? Second week? First week versus Philadelphia 430. Game one. I'm like kind of, and I'll just say, I'm a little shocked that they, that number one, Philly is on the schedule first for them. That's like whatever, right? It's a home opener. It's against Philadelphia. I'm not too crazy about that. Brady lost the Super Bowl to last. Yeah, and then they – but that's the thing. They also compound that with putting Brady's return home on that day. I mean, is I that just a vengeance? I think it's coincidence. Yeah, probably. But they, they, they know, have they to do it on game next, one. Hey, the next week is – the following week is a Sunday night versus Miami. I'm surprised they didn't do it for national TV. Right. But then again, you know, it's, um, the difference is the CBS game versus NBC game. Maybe there was a reason for that too. You know, sure. CBS always carries our game, so maybe that that was one of it. Who knows? Look, looking through, um, so I would assume you'll go to Germany, right? I haven't missed a game in 31 years. Right, and so, that yeah. is outside the confines of the U.S. To where? Wait, so you've have the Pats played? Uh, have they done like the London games or the, done, uh, the Germany two, games? We've done three Mexicos. Mexico. And, yep, and we've done. Uh, London twice, and that was pretty much it. And Toronto once, believe it or not. 1992, uh, it was a preseason game. It was Bill Bel- um, Bill Parcells versus Bill Belichick, Cleveland wow. Brown. Preseason game in the Toronto, uh, hmm. uh, Toronto Dome then. Interesting. So, you got to go to the Deutschland. What's that? I said you get to go to the Deutschland. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I was there uh, about a month ago when Mr. Kraft did a um, – the March of the Living. So I went to Poland to photograph him doing that. Uh, so I had a chance to see Poland and all that. I didn't go to the stadium, but uh, it was kind of interesting. So I'm looking forward to, to doing doing a game there. And now all you need for your Oktoberfest outfit, because you have the hat already, is just the Lederhosen. That won't happen. Unless they have in long pants. I don't wear shorts. Where um, Where is the game? Is it going to be in Munich? Or I uh, should know Frankfurt. 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 Okay. I do not know the stadium that I could. Interesting. So are you? Think it's a nine thirty game. You guys are going to get up early in the morning. Yeah, nine thirty a.m. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's six hour difference. So. 
yeah, it's against the Colts, November 12th. Uh, going to be a little chilly out there. Um, are you it, like, where does this stack up with destinations that you have been with the Pats? Like you, you mentioned Mexico, Toronto, uh, London, all that stuff. Like where, where do you envision this stacking up? Oh, probably up there. I mean, listening to, uh, if you watch the Tampa played there last year, the fans stayed there an hour and a half afterwards and we're still singing and stuff like that afterwards. So we'll be long, long gone by then, but it's a different crowd. London's a good crowd. They kind of watched. You could tell they were watching the game. They knew when to clap. But I think the Germany's more going to be like a soccer game than it is anything else. But we'll see when I get there. I haven't, you know, just based on what I saw from the Tampa game when they were there last year. Everyone raved about it. I mean, it's definitely incredible how global the game's becoming. And I mean, I, I don't know logistic wise, but I, I truly believe in the next 10 years, maybe less, maybe more, there'll be a European team. It'll be a hard sell. Um, it's I a hard sell. Yeah. I think this is the best way to do it because the various teams going. I, mean, I was just looking at, so we're playing, hold on. So we're playing the Commanders on the 5th. Well, they gave us the bye week. So they play on Sunday, okay? And then you got to go to Germany for another Sunday game. That's an eight-and-a-half-hour flight. So you got to figure you're going to leave Thursday or Friday. So you're actually losing almost a day-and-a-half, two days of practice. So it's going to be very hard. It makes sense. I mean, And then on the way home, you're still, you know, still talking maybe a seven-and-a-half-hour flight. But and you get, get the, the bye, bye so after, which is good. After. Which, well, that's why they do that. Yeah. Like, well, that's interesting, too. Are they going to let you guys, like, hang out in Germany for a couple days after? Or are they flying everyone back right after the game? Yeah, kind of right back. Cause we got, well, they'll come right back. I doubt. I know one time in London, we stayed overnight and then flew up the next morning. But that London trips, we always flew out on, like, Thursday night. And literally, we we got into the hotel at 9 o'clock, and it was bang out the whole time. Because press conferences, and they have practices. And then the next oh. day, they have practice on Saturday. And it's like... The nights we had time to go out and see the city, that was about it. So I'm assuming the same thing. Maybe leave on a Thursday afternoon, get in there on a Friday, find a place to practice on Friday afternoon, maybe again on Saturday and then game. So we're all, the November 26th game too, we've all got stake in because the Pats are going down to MetLife Stadium, take on the the New York football giants. Yeah. the revamped New York football driver, I guess not revamped, but bring back Daniel Jones or bring back some of their core pieces. Um, for, I'm actually all right. There it's one o'clock game because with the day ball and everything down there. Candid <laughs> thoughts, Silverman. Is MetLife Stadium better atmosphere at a Jets or Giants game? I haven't done a Giants there game in a long time. I think the last time we lost was a Thanksgiving game. I think the Jets are a little bit louder. Until, wow. until, until halfway through the game when they're losing bad and then they're just kind of sitting around. But it's actually pretty you good. All these- year, you know, they had us at the end and uh, they had a uh, what, what we, they had an interception that was called back and that was the end of that, their game. But uh, they're going to be hard this year, obviously. With the bar, I mean, uh, Tondo's ready to wrap the show. He's like, nah. <laughs> I mean, listen, like the Jets, they they always have hype and then they go back to their basements when they're and they start losing the games, and now all the fans <laughs> come out of the woodworks and be like, I've been a fan since day one, now that Aaron Rodgers here, yada, yada, yada. 
And listen, Aaron Rodgers, yes, MVP, incredible talent. If he can't get it done in the Packers, what is he going to do with the Jets? Because he asks for weapons and he brings back his whole team that he hasn't done much fun. Now, granted, there's some new talent on the Jets. They have a good offensive line. They got the running backs. I get it. Good defense. got two receivers. He brought in two good receivers. Cotton. Brought in receivers. Yeah, your, division, your division's tough. Your division's you know, it's like, not a it's walk like, in the park. It's like, it's like when Tom went to Tampa. Tampa was missing just a quarterback. But they were also missing a leader. So I think the same thing with Aaron. He's going to come in and just, hey, if you guys listen and we do this, and, you know, the coach is going to do the coach's job, but Aaron's going to say, hey, if you guys do this play, we can make this work. So it's going to be hard. I think they're, I think having them – we're having them late, right? Well, the third game. By then they won't – I think we'll have an advantage still because they won't have time to gel yet. And that those first three or four games of any season is the, is the hardest time because they're getting the team to gel together and work together and you find out what a team is. And hopefully we get them where they're a little bit weak. Because later in the year, Rogers teaches them saying, see, I told you if you did it, and we get it. That's what, I, that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, you can't count out the Bills. The Bills have, you know, been dominant, even though they've lost some pieces. Um, the Dolphins, obviously, they could be a quarterback away, but they are very talented rosters. The Patriots are always a tough go around. It's, it's a gauntlet of a division. And a gauntlet of an AFC. I think I think we got a good division this year. I, I think the Bills got exposed in the playoffs. I think that's going to help us a lot, and I think we can beat them. You know, I, I think it's going to be very hard. I think it's going to be very hard to win any of the games. Are yeah. you excited for New Year's Eve at Buffalo in what yeah. will probably be negative ten degrees again? Well, don't forget. Look at the schedule. Um, don't forget uh, December seventh. That Steelers is no picnic, and that's a night Ooh. game. Then the following week is a home game versus the Chiefs. That's a night game. And then uh, Christmas at Eve Denver, at Denver, which is a night game in the cold. So that's going to be just as cold. Then we come home. Then we go to. Then we come home. No, then we go to the Bills. And then we play the Jets. Now the Jets game is TBA. So if we're in the playoffs, they're going to move that to a night game. So, you, so it's going to be a very cold season. Or if the here's what is actually crazy. And you just saying that actually made me shudder because that very well could be if the Jets are going to clinch, they'll move. I was thinking us. Now I was thinking us over the Jets. By the way, well, I I do too. But I like my initial reaction was like, holy shit! What happens if the Jets like are like on the brink, and the Patriots are on the outside looking in? Well, it could be the other way around. Where hey, whoever wins the game gets in. That would be pretty cool. That might mean something down the stretch. And that's why the league, if you notice, a couple of years ago, they changed it. We, we played the division rival at the end of the season for that particular reason. So if you're going up against one another, our chances of having winner takes all, that was their best bet. So I think they've done it right. That's why we played the Bills at the end. We're playing the Jets at the game. Last year, we played Miami at the end. Good move by the NFL. It is. Overall, you... Is there somewhere that stands out to you that's not as maybe, well, obviously you've been to basically everywhere at this point, but have you, like, are you excited to go to a specific venue this year? Um, Germany. Besides Germany. Besides Germany, um, Vegas is, is really nice stadium. Um, actually I think it's nicer on the outside than the inside. I think the inside kind of looks like giant stadium. Wow. Really? Yeah. Um, 
Cowboys is always fun. That's a great atmosphere down there. Um, other than that, yeah, I've been to most of them. So to me, they're all pretty much the same. Um, actually, last year when we played the Vikings was the first time I've done a Vic- done the Super Bowl there. First year time doing the, uh, the Vikings there. That was a great atmosphere for the Vikings. I was surprised. What do you miss? I couldn't say surprised. I was impressed. And Baltimore is a great atmosphere too, by the way, if you've mm. never been. Which ones are you missing? What do you mean missing? Like, like not going? Have you, have you been to every single stadium? Um, I believe at this point I have, yeah. So the next one I would not have been is when they build the Bills Stadium, and we'll see if I'm still alive then. Uh, <laughs> I think that's three, four years away, kind of like when um, – who else is building a stadium? I think Tennessee's getting a new stadium too. Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. Our stadium's older, and it's there, you know, from – Actually, when I started, uh, Atlanta had built their stadium. It was brand new, and now they have a new one. <laughs> Atlanta did that with baseball, too, though, because they had Turner Fields or Turner Park or whatever it was. And then, because that was like 96, and then they built another one like 20 years after. Right. Well, that's why crafts keep updating there so they don't have to make it, make oh, it yeah. work. Actually, they're actually making it a better atmosphere to come to and watch a game. Which you kind of need to do because people can stay home and we can watch it on on this that the other thing and watch ten games at once. So they need to make it exciting. Um, it should be fun. I, I, I'm looking forward to the new board. That should be fun. And so Will and I went to the Bills game on Thursday night football this year, and oh. I will say, like, I understand that it was freezing and that it probably affected my emotions, but and they also got just walloped by the Bills. Um, so overall, you know, C C minus to D plus experience, but at at home though. At, yeah, it was at home. Gillette. It was at Gillette. Yeah. yeah. But it's a good point. It's like I would have I'm I'm happy I went to the game. Like I wouldn't have done it over a different way, but but God, in hindsight, I would have loved to just sit on my couch and watch the Patriots get slammed. Well, if we had won or if it came into overtime, you would have to tell you a different story. I know. I'd be talking about how cool the cold game was. Right. That's it. You, you know, what was cold was, and I was dreading was that last Buffalo game. It, it Did you know they serve treehouse beer at Gillette? I don't go upstairs. I can't drink beer at Gillette. I can't afford just, a 16 uh, That's why I'm asking if you knew. I can't afford a $16 beer. <laughs> that's why I'm asking if you knew. Nothing's worth that Because you probably never venture off like the back, like the sixth floor. I don't go where their no, peasants I never go. Them. Once the game's on, I'm, I'm on the – I mean, I – I know every place of the stadium, but not during the game day. I've never seen it. Once I'm on the field, I'm on the field or in the crafts uh, suite or something like that. And that's it. Don't get any further than that. Game's on, I'm on. Well, now you have a talking point that Gillette Stadium serves a very limited amount of treehouse beers for some Patriots games. And now you're saying that's your favorite beer at this point? Or you can't say that because you you talked a lot about beers. We're, we're beer agnostic, um, but that is yeah, okay. a, a well-accepted industry favorite. Okay. Okay. I will have that's to fair, give that a try. That's fair, Tondo? I would say that's fair. I would say that's fair. They're the cream of the crop. Okay. They're the, the gold standard, if you will, the North Star. Someday if it's there, then I will try it. How's that? You should. Yeah. There we go. Do they serve you the beer in the uh, the booth when you're up there? Yeah. How else do you speaking? think? How else do you think I get through them? The soccer game. That's a joke for anyone listening. <laughs> no drinking. Wink, 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 wink. 
<laughs> so obviously with the summer coming up, well, let's actually, let's go back to your travel. You were, we wanted to bring out Poland and stuff. So oh, yeah. yeah. How did that all work into the mix? And then tell us about your experience there. Yeah, it was good. Uh, well, Mr. Kraft wanted, um, started um, this thing on Jewish hate. And part of that was going to do the March of the Living, which is uh, uh, the walk of, uh, from Auschwitz to Birkenau that the prisoners made after World War II when they were freed and all that. So for the last 35 years, they, they do that up. And um, they walk from there back to Birkenau from Auschwitz. And it was about 10,000 people walking. And so part of that craft walk that and, uh, with other people and, and it was kind of fun. I, I, you know, obviously my job to follow him sometimes and had the chance to go and photograph that. So it was kind of, it was hard because it was so many people to really see and, you know, know where you were because, you know, I'm also working. Um, but it was interesting to be at the place where, you know, going to temple and, you know, learn about, you know, the Holocaust and you hear about it and then see the actual place is a whole different, whole different thing. Was that your first time there? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Not a place I would say I want to go on vacation. You know, well, right. Like that, but, you know, it was an opportunity. I think, mean, you know, obviously, you know, history people want to see that. You want to be there and you want to do that, you know. So um, it, it was a good opportunity. When the opportunity came up, I took it. You know. and, uh, I, had to, I had a chance to go back in high school. And, you know, obviously you and I with the cameras, it's like you're you're there to take the photos. But how hard was it for you to kind of take – I mean, you were working and stuff, but – being present there and taking the photos. Um, my job was Mr. Kraft. Yeah. You know, so when I could, I kind of I'll look around and see what's here and here. So uh, going through Auschwitz, um, there's rooms. Uh, one of the rooms has all the shoes that are there from all that. And just to see the piles of shoes, it's just tremendous. It's just, and just to think the people who were in them at one point, are no longer on this earth. And that's just amazing to see. And, um, so when the prisoners came in, they also shaved their hair and there were piles and piles of hair, like rooms worth. And, well, you know, they used it to make money on it. They, I believe they sold the hair and make some money. Um, but to see that, 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 that's actual people's hair that are no longer with us. And, you know, seeing stuff like that, that's when it hits you that it actually happened. You know, you know it happened, but, it, you know, you say. That's it's not a textbook and documentary yeah. anymore. You're, you're there seeing right. it. Right. I was recently watching a show um, on uh, Ivan the Terrible, and it, um, they were trying to arrest him, saying, trying to figure if this guy was him, and just watching all these videos of the Germans on how they would just take these bodies and toss them like they were nothing, and you know, and then seeing, you know, that's where it happened. You know, it's just, it's just, it hit. You, you think about it, it hits you, but you're also at the same time working. It probably hits me more now that I'm thinking and talking about it. But, uh, it's history now you know you know it was there it's not just something you heard from the, the rabbi or the schools and all that stuff or the textbook and you, you know we've all seen the videos but to be there you know where it was and, you know yeah you know very similar to i keep thinking about when you and i went to dachau well and you know that was in 2017 um and that's like for for someone i feel like people like us who you know we I think there's a general appreciation for history. Like it, it, it sort of has a switch when you go and say like, Oh my God, this is, this was an actual place, right? This, right. this stuff actually happened. And what's even crazier is like, this happened over the lifetime of people we know, like this is not that ancient history that people think it is like, this is less than a hundred years ago, which makes this even more like 
scary to think about, you know? There's more, less and less of them around to tell the stories and stuff like right. that. So uh, my father had a client who um, was a prisoner. He lost his, both his parents and his, um, his sister. And he said, my greatest day was when I took my mother's wedding ring and traded it for an egg. And he says, that's just to show you that everything has a value to it. So and he said he used to walk around with a toolbox and some wire on his shoulder. And he said, I just look busy and that's how I survive. Wow. So stories like that. And there was one girl, one lady at the uh, uh, before the watch was telling her story. She was only a couple of years old and her mother was being hoarded to the trains and she was holding her and her sister ran up to the train and somehow she was able not to be on the train because she did some work for the Germans or whatever. And she said, that's my baby. So the mother threw the baby to her sister. So you just think about that, giving up your child to somebody else that you'll never see. So you just think of stuff like that happening, that that's, you know, those are true stories from someone who was there and her, her aunt slash mother at that time took her and put her in a, um, a home with nuns. And that's how she survived was because, well, she was she was raised Christian. And so she told the story and how she was raised by them. And she was, you know, read the book and all that stuff. And, you know, in 2007, she went and found the um, the nun who saved her and the nun remembered her and all that. So, you know, hearing those stories and, you know, it's real. But those stories being told from the people are only going to be, you know, what you hear from the movies or what you hear from the videotape or, not, you know tape back in the day it's crazy stuff yeah well <clears throat> glad you got to experience it it sounds yeah, really rewarding yeah. um, you guys did it too so you know yeah oh for that. sure did you on a much you know less somber note did you get to yeah, go let's, around let's, and exceed this up you know <laughs> the, when you were out there did you get to go see other sites like did you get to go walk around like where'd you where'd you stay in poland did you get to enjoy it all yeah we, uh, we were in uh, Warsaw. um we were in old town which was nice go and they had a um there was something going on because in order to go from this street to this street, you had to get checked in and stuff like that. And I, it was, um, it was a remembrance day from when their president was killed on a plane, but on the plane was like the whole cabinet. So that was their mm. day of memory. And there was soldiers walking around and everything and the old suits and stuff like that. And uh, so that was kind of interesting to see. And then one morning you know, my room, I couldn't get cold. So I opened the window and I opened up. And there's a guy standing on the roof next door to me with a gun. And there was a guy on the other side, and I did not realize that we were staying next to the to the president's home. Oh, so I closed my window, closed the curtains, didn't open again. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to be taking pictures and like you know that long exactly. lens. Exactly, I just, just kind of looked down and I said, "Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm closing this." And yeah, that that's the right call. So, but it was a nice little city. I was uh, impressed. They had. Uh, a lot of bakeries and stuff like that and ice cream all over the place. So it was pretty interesting. You know, everyone was just doing their job and, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. Had some nice vodka. The uh, bartender turned me out some nice um, local uh, vodka and all that and uh, got to find some of that. So that was your foreign travels. Do you have any travels, uh, travel plans before the season starts? Before the season starts, no. I'm just traveling with the Revs. So will be in Miami this week. We go to Atlanta. So, you know, those kind of things. Uh, I'm hoping in February we're trying to get on. Um, my friend and I are trying to get on a, uh, a trip to Manitoba, Canada, to go uh, photograph the bears when they come out of the uh, dens with their cubs. So hopefully next year I can tell you a little about that. 
I you said that to... so casually. That's yeah. like, <laughs> well, that's un- like you're literally account. witnessing like basically bears giving birth. Like that's that's absolutely no. Un- we're not gonna we're not gonna be in the den while they give birth. Well, I know that, but as they come out of the den, as they come out of the den, it'd be late late February, early March. Uh, temperature will be coming down a little bit or getting better. It'll be about minus forty five. Um, so we got to go a little early and rent some some garb for that. Um, just in the details we'll see what if it comes through but uh, that's hopefully the big trip that i'm looking forward to in february march i wanted to text you a couple weeks ago did you see the uh northern lights down in rhode I did island not. i did not it was I very know. disappointing i missed that i saw the picture the next day and i was like why wasn't this publicized i would have parked my ass because they don't want you to know the people who knew didn't want yeah. you to know that you didn't see it so i i actually i actually messaged that guy online and he was very nice he's from uh New Mexico and he's here he was a teacher and I said how do you find out about it and that there's an Aurora um, app that you can put on it tells you when you're actually could see it in your area so when actually it was in Toronto I knew it was close and at one point I got a, a, an alert that you have a 12% chance of seeing the Aurora tonight so I'll send you that app if you want but well, yeah, yeah. I don't think the it, that's a rare thing I don't know I was told or I saw online that possibly last night into this morning we could have seen something but i I don't think anything ever came of it yeah and you really have to go i think this guy said he went down to charlestown so you really got to go way out there to see it and i think it might have been manipulated a little bit a little bit yeah i think so i think i think it was a little bright for this area but no he's they did a good job you have to get up early in the morning and sit around and i read one guy's story where he was up at two o'clock drove to one place drove back to another place and it just doesn't happen. Sometimes you get lucky and it just happens, but they obviously knew something was going to on. And I think they said at um, two days earlier, there was a super explosion on the sun and that's when you get this. And it was so wow. bright, it actually came down from way up north and we were, you know, this area was able to see it. Is that how that and works? That has something to do with the sun? What's that? That has something to do with the sun? Yeah, that did, yeah. It's solar huh. flare. Yeah. I have uh, a couple of... Uh, Back in 2018, I think I went to um, I went to Alaska to, to to photograph some of the auroras. That was it's actually pretty neat when it happens because it's just like you're sitting there, all of a sudden you see a little flash, and all of a sudden the lights just kind of flick around. They change colors, and you know green's like normal, but if you get a red, it's a super over kind of thing, and it's really cool. It just kind of dances in the sky. Sometimes it's for a half hour, hour, maybe two minutes. And, you know, I had a chance to you know do that, and that was pretty cool. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. So this summer, though, I hope you got some surfing planned. You know, let's get some waves and I'll go in. I got some cameras and, you know, go down there and get some. I'll let you know. You come down. I got an extra water camera. Get you in the water. You know I'll do it. it. (laughs) Right now, there's been not too many waves lately. So about a month ago, there was some good ones. So, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Waiting to see. Hopefully the water will be nice and warm again this year. Last year, I think it got to about 75. Hmm. Are you, do you have any uh, diving planned as well? Or was that, <laughs> is that, is that it? No, diving? No, not really. Um, although my friend and I are doing the polar bears. Hopefully in the next couple of years, we want to go to a Tongo and photograph the humpbacks. Wow. We'll see. It's, you know, Where even is that? I don't know. 
I have seen all the pictures of Tonga, and I know that. I do know, but right now, only because you asked me right off the top of my tongue, no, I don't know. But, Is it like, I? why do I want to say it's like near... You got the computer in front of you, look at it. Yeah. I want to say Australia. Yeah, yeah it's in, I don't it sounds know. like somewhere out there. It's Polynesia. It, it's, it's honestly a, it, in the yeah, middle of nowhere. Exactly. Yes, it is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's, it's off the coast of Fiji. Okay, there you go. About 20 hours, 30 hours away. Damn. Is, there, is there like a dream bucket list in your head of places one day that you plan on hitting? Well, the polar bears are one, and the uh, humpbacks are number two. How's that? Uh, <laughs> Check them off. It's been it's been five years since I've been actually away. So, you know, actually, I've been talking to the, my tornado friend too, and you know, the town's kind of interesting too. Still haven't gotten that. He's out. Yeah, chasing, weren't you? Oklahoma. When was the last time you went storm chasing? Was that last year that or two years 21, ago? Twenty one. Twenty one, I believe. So yeah, that must have been our first, uh, our one year anniversary. It was just before our anniversary. Just before. Uh, we, yeah. we were at a show just before and I went that summer. I have one sitting right above my head. It was just turning and turning and it was like right there in front of us and it just never happened. Ugh. That's Where's as close you? as I got. But I'm seeing some of the stuff I see now. They're they're getting stronger and stronger. It's pretty scary. I was going to say, we are due for some of those photos though because I, I would love to see. That'd be that'd be what I'd purchase off you. What's, why don't you come with me? That, wow. Like I said, Dave, I will not say no to anything that you do. I will tail tail you and follow you along any place you oh, want to go. I'll be there. You got to pay your own way, buddy. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's I just need the invite. Yeah, we today. Cool. We're going to Tonga. Nice. We could, no, I was no, I was I was talking storm chasing, but uh, you can go anywhere you want. Um, last time we got a car and it was brand new. It had thirty five miles on it, and we turned it in with twenty eight hundred miles on it. Thirty five. <laughs> And luckily, we didn't have any hail. So, uh, but yeah, that, that's putting on, and that was only five days. And so we had gone from, I flew into Oklahoma. We had to go to South Dakota, went back to Denver. Then we went back to Oklahoma, down to Texas, back to Nebraska, back down to Texas, and then back to Oklahoma. And that's in five days. Holy crap. And I got crap. And that was it. Just that one storm above our head, and that was it. But it was nice being out there when you get the big storms and the clouds and everything. That's, when is when's peak for storm chasing like july august out there right now oh it is right now out there huh this is this is the next uh couple of weeks are and actually it's been a little early early uh late april they had some really good storms it was an f5 you watch you know i follow people on twitter and stuff like that so if you really want to find some stuff just you know just put tornado on uh twitter and you're going to see some great photos and great there was that one in arkansas that like huge f5 and i think it was like the arkansas border it was huge. It was gigantic, and people chasing it, and just there's. It's getting to the point they're almost going to make it. They're trying, or might kind of regulate it, or don't let people do it, or arrest you if you're doing it, because they're just driving uh, by stop signs and stuff like that. And they just some of them are just. It's just getting too much because I won't say it's easy, but if you know how to chase a storm, you just you know you drive 90 miles an hour to get to one place to another, and people get people get hurt, and they're getting worried about that. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, it is nuts. If you watch Twitter and you see these people and they're driving on their phones and texting and, and showing the pictures, but yet they're driving. It's like, okay, people, come on, what are we doing? So we'll do a photography trip. You guys take the photos. I'll drink the beer in the back seat. Well, let's just be like, well, that's watch. insane. That, that, what about that one, Will and Dave? Like, <laughs> the whale watching on, on 
Well watching. Yeah, I got a cool. I got a guy, a Labrador, a Labrador uh, boats. Uh, he only allows six people on the boat. Um, so it's yeah, about 800 bucks last year. So it's not bad. I'm 200 bucks a person with a little tip. Um, we got some, I got some great stuff last year. So I'm trying to hit him up this year to go back out. So if you want to go, I will put you as one I'm of in. the six. I'm in. I'm in. All right. Get some overtime. There we go. And then uh, I'm still ready to be your intern. <laughs> I'm still ready to be your intern at July. Uh, they're, they're still keeping the members exactly where they are. Right? Um, so they're not letting a lot of people on the field. Training camp. Huh? You, um, you gotta go by, you gotta go by Stacy James and get his, you gotta go, you gotta get an okay to him to photograph. Although behind the rope, you get there early, you get in front row. It's the same as what I get. And actually I some, stuff, some of the stuff I can't even shoot or use because they have to approve it. But you really? with your camera behind the rope, you can do anything you want. So like if you came in as part of the media, you're going to get 10, 15 minutes. But if you're just in the stand shooting your camera, you can shoot the whole time. Very weird. That is weird. odd. Yeah. Until so, now I, I said this and someone hears it and they say, no, you can't bring anything. <laughs> Dave, why are you telling people that people can bring cameras in here? Because <laughs> well, people do it and they have the same lens as I do and they're doing it. So, hey, I'm, I'm hey. Yeah, you, you in theory, you can't not. stop a fan from bringing in their camera and taking a no, photo. Well, they can. They actually, like in the stadium, you can oh, only yeah. go with a 15 millimeter lens. So eventually, right. now that I'm saying this and they hear it, you're only going to be able to go with 15 millimeter. But people are in there with 300 millimeters and zoom lenses. And you know what? We'll filter that out. Any listens that come from Foxborough on this, we'll just cut that part. Yeah, I cut that part so I don't get in trouble. But, you know, now they're trying to tell people not to take video with their phones, but it's like anybody can do it. How do you tell people you can't? And I get it, you know, we're, hey, we're, we're doing plays out here. So if you guys want to come, put your camera away, enjoy, and don't show the other team. Because once you put it online, other teams can watch. It's fair. True. You know, I used to hear, someone used to tell the stories on how Don uh, Shula, when the Dolphins were training, if they saw a helicopter up above, he'd have everyone scramble. Because they didn't want them videotaping them. So when the helicopter was gone, they'd bring all the players back on and they go back to practice. It's wild. What a wild world this is. Yeah. Um, well, looks like you guys have a trip to Tonga planned. Um, no, we're gonna, we'll do the whale watch. I'm going to start them off slow, okay? All right, the I whale watching. Sure first. Okay. Just, I can come sure to the storm chasing one. We want to make sure he doesn't feed the fish on this first, you know. That's fair. If That's you can stay problem. above the water, we'll get you under the water. That's so, my problem, but I'm in. So if Will passes that and you invite him back, I will then tag along for storm chasing. Would you really? I, I would consider it. I'm in. It's not bad. Tornadoes I mean, kind of freak me out, but I would I would consider it. Actually, the guy I went, uh, Gage Shaw, my friend who I go with, um, just texted me. He's getting a job with one of the local papers out there, so he's going to be doing video. He's going to be one of us, Will, which is kind of neat because all he did before was storm chase, and actually he was uh, uh, worked uh, cannabis, and now he's going to be one of us. He's going to be one of the media. So, But he would take us out anytime we want. You give me a date, I'm there. You huh? give me a date, I'm there. I'll go I, after the big. I'll go after the big storms. I'm not gonna lie. I don't want. I told him. I said, I don't want to be in the storm. I want to be. Yeah. I want to be miles away and get a nice picture. And he he's one of those. You know, at one time when I wanted him to stop, he says, No, I got to get over there. I said, But I just want to take a picture. He says, Nope, you haven't got time. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Ah. Oh. I guess, you know, as we close out, we always like to ask, because again, Hall of Fame guest, 
any words of wisdom or pieces of pieces of advice you have? Another year in the books, another year. What do you got? What, I got not, you know, just accept the change. You know, one of the um, different year kind of year for me. You know, a lot of uh, after COVID, a lot of the people that I worked for um, retired and stuff. So I'm dealing with new people. Uh, um, a lot of new people coming in. They're younger, uh, different worth ethics. Um, and I'm the old guy who's coming in and trying to do that, trying to keep that job. Uh, didn't go so well. Um, so always accept the change. No, no one is coming. I've always, I've always, I knew years ago when my friend retired that I would have to fight for that job again. And, you know, you figure after so many years, you wouldn't have to. Um, so always accept the change. No, see the future. As, you know, you know, as Chevy Chase said, be the future, see the future, look ahead. You know, know what's ahead of you and be prepared for it. I mean, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm older. I, I, I know what I can and can't do at my age. And if I don't have that, I'm okay. My 10-year younger me would be worried, you know, at this point. But now, you know, going with the Ravs and traveling with them is, is part of my way of saying, okay, I don't have that. This is how I'm going to make it up. And it's been great. And it's actually other opportunities open for me um, with some of that lost work. So I do a little bit more for PC, I do a little more for Brian. I picked up some breath. So some of that other stuff that I lost, it's like, okay, this is good. This is nice. I accept it, brace it, be ready for it, know that it's there. I love it. Those are good words of wisdom. You've come a long way. Remember the first episode you, you said, you know, I don't know. It probably didn't sound that great. I, I'm not the best person to do this. You're now a four-time podcast appearance person. So You may have, you may have done it in that amount of time too, no? Four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> This is a house. I'm proud of you guys. You know, I like seeing you guys. You know, I like seeing you guys on the sidelines now. You want to me, you know. Uh, you know, you guys are getting popular. You know, Jake, you're out there everywhere. You hear your voice. I, I think it was it at Gillette when I said, "Hey, I hear it. I know that voice. I know you're in the building." And you know, I hear it at PC. I hear it at Bryant. So good for you. And Will, I love you know, getting those texts when you know you're in the building and you're like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm here. Great to hear you." I'm like, "It's great to see the fedora down yeah, there." That's it. That's it. And Will, I see you. You're sitting right. Your butt sitting right next to me down at PC and stuff like that. So you know, good for you guys. You, know, you got to give me some. You got to give me some advice on the on the on the knees. The knees courtside are starting to take a hit. <laughs> CFB, too fucking bad. Yeah. Deal with it, buddy. Deal with it. <laughs> I saw guys with like seats. I'm like, how how can you get the good shot when you're? I might, go, I might go with the seats too because you know it's getting hard on the back. That that, that floor is kind of tough. You kind of stretch out every once in a while. I don't know. The timeouts you got to stand up. Yeah. Basketball basketball's hard just sitting there. So uh, you know that's the workout. So. Workout. You could just wear knee pads. That's yeah. it. What's that? Knee pads. You can't football. You you know I don't even do that anymore. You know, <laughs> you know, just got to work out. You got to work the back. That's it. A lot of back extensions. Yes. Back extensions. Uh, you, you know, Jake, I've seen you doing the workout. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 back is tough, man. Uh huh. It is. So they, what do they have you do for hip extensions? Uh, just back extensions on the throne of honor, you know, and just go down. And go. Up. That is kind of neat, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, sure. It's a... <laughs> painful. And you know what? If it's painful, and you're huffing and puffing, you know you're doing it right. That's that's fair. That's fair. You know, it's fun. Still love the workout. Kind of got away from it a little bit, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you got to get your head back in the game. You know how that is. Yes, Tondo, you still a Peloton guy? Still Peloton. A lot of it's been 
more walking now with the puppy. That's true. Uh, oh, nice. But that's that's bad. that's life though. That's great yeah. part of life. You know, you got the puppy. You're walking. That's that's so much fun. Yeah. So I've been. It's been. You need a treadmill next to you on the bike. The dog does a treadmill. You do the bike. <laughs> no, honestly, that might be that might be it because he. I start pedaling and he like tries to bite at the uh, the pedals and stuff. Oh. And I take the weights out and I do I can only do standing workouts because anything on the floor. He's like, well, that means it's playtime. And I'm like, oh my. No, um, but then you pick up the dog and you you lift. Him, okay? Yeah, he's getting to that point. He's you know, getting you to lift him over your head 10, 15 times. Relax, throw the ball, lift him back up. You're good. Yeah, if you work out, <laughs> that might be it. That might be it. You're onto something. You just gotta. It's it's not the workouts anymore. It's the sleeping schedule. That's what I <laughs> I miss. It's as good practice for someday if you ever want kids. One day, not today. No sleep. A lot of running <laughs> today is not I, today. I, I, I used to have a row. I used to have a row when I started off. My son would run around circles while I did the row. So that was our workout. But that was our time together, you know. Yeah. So I'm gonna so just puppy is the same thing. A ball hey, with okay. peanut butter. What's that? <laughs> I said I'm just gonna give him a ball with peanut butter and let him sit right next to me for half an hour. That's how you do it. Get a Kong toy and you put the peanut yeah. butter inside. It's a game changer. It truly is. Jay's gone. Yeah, I'm not doing any of this. I'm just yeah. doing my workout. I'm going to be single. I'm not going to have a dog. No dogs dog, yet. The dog no. is better than anybody, anything you'll ever have in your life. Yeah. He is a good boy. Huh? It is. You know, you can make a mistake or whatever, and they're going to forgive you and still give you a kiss. <laughs> you ever see that meme? Good it's luck like, trying to get that from your wife, okay? <laughs> You said that meme, it's like uh, it's a person, like a dog owner going to the dog. It's like, I love you so much. I'm going to plan my whole life around you. And the dog's like, all right, that's cool. But do you have a treat? <laughs> I kind of laughed at that. Pretty much. You know, Pretty they much. don't judge you. They love you for everything you are. Even when you forget them and leave them home for seven hours. Yeah. And we yeah. feel guilty about it. They just forgive us. It's part of the, part of the job and part of the life. Yeah, but... Dave Silverman, ladies and gentlemen, we always appreciate it. Um, Hall of Fame guest, first guest, and forever guest. Thank and you, guys. One day, we're, one day we're going to get you on a T-shirt once you you give us a good tagline. It might be first guest and forever guest. We'll All just, right, there you go. Make it a medium so it looks looks better. On me. <laughs> we got a shirt for you, too. I got the Rhode Island hoops one whenever we meet up again. All right, good. Well, maybe at Patriots camp. Oh, no, we're going to meet on the boat uh, mid-June. We'll watch. <laughs> Tell me the date. You might have to take a day off of work. So tell me the date I'm there. Okay. Bring the barf bag. There. I'm good with that. I got my sea legs. Don't worry. Is it for you or for me? Wow. For me. Not for me. Not me. How about you, Jake? You want to join us or not? Uh, Maybe. We'll see. What a win. (laughs) (laughs) But Dave, we all end on that. How's that? I love it. We're going to take a quick break to give you a note from our sponsors over at DraftKings. Get in on the NBA playoff actions with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Download the app now and sign up with the code BBB. That's code BBB only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. 
in Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Opt-in required. One bonus bet issued based on the amount of initial losing NBA bet. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. And remember, use the code BBB only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Take a couple till I make one? Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a few takes. <laughs> Good. Well, let's kick it off because we have our friend and Hall of Fame guest, recurring guest, friend of the program, John Fanta, coming off an incredible tour, prepping for a wedding now. And he's got the mini hoop in the background. So if he banks it in, I mean, Hall of Fame status, elite status, we're ready to go. He's locking it in. Let's see. Oh, I will go for it. Off the top of the backboard. Oh, that one off too. Come on. Brick. There it is. There it is. <laughs> You're looking like the Cavaliers, so it's all right. That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, that's a thirty-three percent clip from downtown. What you just had—that's not—that's not too bad. You make one of your three three-pointers. Well, I got my own misses. I actually got offensive rebounds there. Mitchell Robinson wasn't punking me inside. I mean, we're still playing, and you guys are enjoying an early vacation. It's okay. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Uh, that was a beat down and a half. And I'm wondering, as we're watching this Knicks Heat series, which is even at a game apiece, and game two got very dicey for the Knicks there at one point when they're down 93-87 with seven minutes to go. The whole time I'm thinking, what does this say about the Cavs, who everybody thought was pretty good, and they could only take one game from this Knicks team? Now, that's not to say anything about the Knicks. I'm not trying to insult them. But I think it's, it's big that the Knicks got the series evened up, obviously. But I also think there's a sinking feeling in the back of everybody's minds, if you're a New Yorker, that, wow, it took that for us to get a game from Miami, and now we got to go to South Beach. we got to do some things better if we're going to be able to win this series, because when Jimmy Butler is back, and I, I think he'll play this weekend, the way his body language was last night, I think Jimmy Butler, if it was a game seven last night, would have played. But he was eating popcorn because they had taken the game they needed to. So, look, it's it's all that matters is it's even up at a game apiece and that there's a long break from now until Saturday. So we'll see if the Knicks – the Knicks have got to have a better showing on Saturday than they even had in game two. Yeah, we were talking before you hopped on. It's like, obviously, you know, Knicks culture is back. This team needs to be pl- need to be playing better to advance. That's a, a clear-cut statement. But we were saying how this Heat squad – I mean, Eric Spolstra has to be one of the league's best coaches. There are so many undrafted players and hidden gems on this team – I think the total they had over 70 points of just undrafted players scoring in game two. Yeah, that's really amazing. Uh, Gabe Vincent has been superb for them along the way. He has become a tough shot maker. Last night, hitting a couple of shots with hand in his face. And Max Struess, a guy that was at Lewis University, not even D1, ends up at DePaul where he's 
frankly, off the map. And now to be doing this with Miami and to really establish, carve out a role. I, I remember watching Max in Summer League. And the Heat were more impressed by his overall demeanor and the way he conducted himself than with any actual result. And that's what told them, yeah, he could be one of our guys. The Heat have a culture. And it's interesting because talking with Jay Wright earlier this week about this series, he said that the that the Heat are the worst matchup for the Knicks of any team left in the playoffs, including East, West, whatever, because the Heat are a mirror image of the Knicks and how they try to get things done. So this, this has been an old school series. This is a series for the guy out there who says, and we all know that guy. We all know that guy. He's sitting there with a beer, and he is not going to come out of his ways of saying, I don't like today's NBA. It's star-driven. You know, it's one guy. Uh, I can't watch the product. I can't do it anymore. Whereas if we actually started to show him the game that, that the Knicks and the Heat are playing, it's not one star. Like, Tuesday night's game wasn't about that at all. Jalen Brunson became that star, but off of playing team basketball. So I'll tell you what, for the, the, the interesting thing is all sports cycle, right? Like baseball, I noticed these teams are trying to go back to just getting base hits, especially without a shift. In basketball right now, the Nuggets might be the best team in the league. Now they have Jokic and, and Murray, but if you watch them play, they do not play one on five. They scream, they move the ball. It's beautiful. It's like watching dancing. Great dancing. It's it's like a, a work of art. So I, I have learned from this NBA postseason, the NBA product is actually, it's getting better. And the viewership would suggest that. Yeah, that's, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of NBA, admittedly. I think Will's watched more than I have this year. But yeah, the, the people that say like, oh man, like I get it. There's been a huge migration to, we're talking about a few guests with this. Like, young kids will go on a court and say, where's the three-point line? And they'll just start hawking up threes. But but that's fun. Isn't that what makes this game fun? It is. It, it is what makes this game fun. I also think that – and I totally agree with you. I also think what turned people off is when we've got guys just dribbling. Like, guess, guess who's an example – of NBA of last 10 years uh, for the better part of the last 10 years right now, the Phoenix Suns right now, Booker and Durant do not know how to get on the same page with each other because they're great individual players, but they don't have, and they also don't have a supporting cast. Phoenix is in a really tough spot. I don't think they're going to win that series. I think, I think people are going to be surprised to see KD exit, but I'm sorry. It's just, it's teams not better than, than Denver. But I think that, that, Jake, you're absolutely right. You know, kids want to they, – they do want to shoot threes. But I'd like to think that Mitchell Robinson and Bam Adebayo and Nikola Jokic – Jokic has been – he's unbelievable that, – uh, that they are reminding people that, hey, uh, Kevon Looney out in, in Golden State, they're reminding people that, hey, if you're one of those bigger kids – Go ahead and pursue it. Be tough down there. Be physical. 
That matters. People appreciate that. The fans love it. They still, in a world where everyone's jacking up threes, people are appreciating offensive rebounding and just being a tougher guy. And that's what this Knicks Heat series is. It is old school NBA, and it is really, really fun to watch. I also would just say, guys, the Heat without Butler, I felt like I was watching a college game at the Garden Tuesday night. They were they were functioning like that 12 or 13 seed trying to pull off the upset. I see Will nodding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And it's like I'm a, I'm a big fan of – a mean and dirty number five, right? I, especially as us as college basketball fans, it's like, I appreciate the center position and wish it was more prevalent in the NBA because we're always talking about, you know, star players and, and a guy, for example, that just declared for the draft in Adama Sonogo, where is he going to end up? Because is that, is his style of play going to translate in the NBA? Hard to say, but I think the NBA should focus on having those dominant, you know, those dominant centers back in and, and Mitchell Robinson is a, is a prime example. Joel Embiid just won the NBA, uh, the MVP. So, you know, go back to the, the mean and gritty clash, grash in the boards, not the, not the flashy three pointers. That's my opinion. I'm with you. I'm with you. Happy anniversary to you guys, by the way. Hey, thank three you. Years. Three um, years. Where does John Fanta stack up? Uh, are, so John, you're not the all time most appearances. You are, you're He's a bit tied. far off the pace. Oh, you're He's tied, tied now? He's tied. Wow. I thought, was this six? This is six. Holy crap. John, you're tied for first now. I thought you were much farther off. Wow. How does it feel to be tied for all time on what you called the most innovative podcast of all time last year? <laughs> It feels great. It's an honor and a privilege. I believe that I have a certificate from this show. And and you did say it was nicer than anything in your own home last year, too. That's true. Well, Beer's Business and Falls has been a great pod, uh, a pod that I enjoy tremendously because it does go all over the map. And you fellas have kept it going. See, a lot of shows... They, they're like, oh, we're around. They go for a year and then, then we never, or two years, and then we never hear from them again because, quote, I don't know if I can handle it, you know, in my schedule anymore. But doing a podcast is fun. It's creative. You can get different guests on. You guys are, are evidence of that. And uh, I love coming on this show because we talk about all different kinds of things. And uh, I always love seeing you guys when I'm in Providence. Uh, so, and I, I already, I'm already looking forward to the 2023-24 New Look Friars season. Uh, but for you guys, it, this has been a great show, and I really, really enjoy coming on because you always feel like home on BBB. That's that's the that's the way I put it. You always feel at home here, and it's like three guys on the couch talking about life. So that's that's what Beers, Business, and Balls is. A happy anniversary to the most innovative podcast on the planet. John Fanta, you're a gem. And you're really from Providence, too. We always appreciate you coming on. And we will get an in-person podcast with the three of us on a couch, enjoying some beers, hopefully with a Friars win in our back pocket. But I let's start right Fanta, there. Let's start, I, I mean, I'm also going to say before you start, Will, I think Fanta does hold the record for most beers drinking by a guest on this show. <laughs> I think that, is, that is a record that still holds true. COVID was a hard time. <laughs> we were trying to get through it. And yes. 
I think by a guess, you certainly hold that record still. So I love to hear that. Thank you. (laughs) That's something I take great pride in too. (laughs) So, I mean, let's, let's kick it off with the college basketball season. I mean, first and foremost, tip of the cap of you to you, because you were, I would arguably say one of the faces, if not the face of the media side of college basketball. I, I truly, we both feel that you were all over the place and you killed it in every single facet and you obviously were there to the final moment. You were interviewing Bill Murray. You were doing all the coverage. You you did an amazing job. So how was how was your year? How did you feel? You know, your performance was off the court, and how did you like the product on the court? Well, first and foremost, that means a lot. That's very humbling. There's a lot of great people who cover the sport, and. For me, uh, it really started back around this time of year when Fox had reached out and said, we're looking to expand our digital footprint and do more things on .com. And would you be looking to to do some things for us? And what have we always talked about on this show? Being a yes man. you got to say yes to any and all opportunities. And of course, of course, that, that got my brain going. That got my brain going of, okay, Now I can do storytelling and interviews and digital content for Fox. Uh, I have a great amount of respect for my bosses and the Fox brand, and it carries weight in every circle. And for them to give me that opportunity, because a lot of the work I have been doing, the majority of it had been with the Big East Digital Network, which I, I still am with and love. But the goal is always to be able to expand your your wings and try to cover other leagues and, and get across the country. And so that's what that's what that Fox role provided for me. But this, this year was really a fun year. It was a great year. Uh, just the, the product on the court was fantastic. So many tremendous games, big-time players. And I was actually at Fox on their L.A. lot the first weekend of the tournament. And in a matter of hours covering FDU, pull that off over Purdue, Uh, covering Princeton, Princeton, shocking the world, shocking the world and beating Arizona and then rolling to the second weekend of the tournament, Uh, covering Furman, stunned Virginia. I mean, I, I, I still can't believe that that happened. FAU's run. It was amazing to be in L.A. And I had never, or at least, excuse me, in my professional career and at least 10, 11, 12 years was the last time I had sat and watched every single game the first weekend of the tournament. And I got to tell you, after doing it this past year, it's going to be hard for me to go back to just one site. It was awesome. Now, it was busy because there was so much going on, but I loved it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Being busy is great. And we were doing video interviews and breakdowns and and commentary and live reactions from our, our control room. It was awesome. Um, and, and I appreciate you guys saying that. I think for me, you know, what I've seen are two things. Number one, there's a huge audience for this. College basketball has a rich Twitter presence 
for whatever reason. So as a result, your content can really take off. And that's become the platform that I've had the steadiest following in. Number two, you've got accommodating coaches and players. You know, I'm going to tip my cap to Dan Hurley. He always, after dealing with media for minutes upon minutes upon minutes, he would always give me a good five minutes on camera. And he gave a really good five minutes. So it's hard. It's not easy for coaches to have to do all that. And I appreciate it. But alongside the tournament are these coaching changes that just ignited the college hoops world. And I found a way to just get to these as many press conferences as I could uh, and getting the Rick Pitino press conference. That interview does six figures of views and engagements. Talking to Louis Carnesecca, who doesn't go on camera a ton, that interview explodes. The very next day, going down to Georgetown and being, I got to tell you guys, I'm just being real talk. I was the only national media person at the Georgetown press conference, which I kind of found hard to believe, but I'll get to, I'll get to that. Cause I think it's a really interesting, uh, it's an interesting takeaway from a real life event. Uh, I want to talk about the whole Cooley saga. Um, so that, that comes and goes, that happens. You know, Kim English gets hired by Providence. That press conference looked unbelievable. Uh, a lot of people asked me why I was not there. Uh, I, I genuinely had commitments in, in Houston. I would have loved to be there. Uh, last year, Shaheen Holloway got hired by Seton Hall. Uh, I was asked to introduce him at the press conference, and I couldn't make it because I was in New Orleans. It's just you can't, you can't be two places at once, and that, that broke my heart to not be able to introduce him. Maybe I could have shifted my trip around, but it was it was locked in. But it was really a great season, guys. It was so much fun. And we saw – I saw record viewership. Record. Marquette won the Big East tournament, guys. Shaka Smart and Tyler Kolick's interviews after the game. Now, we're talking about Marquette. We're not talking about UConn. We're not talking about Villanova. We're not talking maybe about the brands that everybody associates with the Big East. Now, Marquette's going to be there now. They're here to stay. The interviews after the game, we're talking 130 to 150,000 views on Twitter. It was un, we had unbelievable traffic in March. And that's, that's shows you there's a desire for this. There's a fan base for this. It really is interesting. Uh, and I, I have greatly, greatly enjoyed it. Now I'll, I know it's a long winded answer. I will get to the, the, uh, the Georgetown Providence saga. So, I think that what I have learned from the last two months is that being down at that press conference at Georgetown and being the only person that from nationally that actually decided to go down there means two things. Uh, means that, number one, people are going to be following you uh, like a knife on butter. Uh, for what the latest is on the situation. Um, two, what I've learned is is that my reporting on this was not how I felt about it. <laughs> and I think a lot of people <laughs> think differently. Um, 
think very differently. Uh, but I could tell you right now that my reporting on this of what someone was either telling me or giving me or talking to me about um, was not actually my opinion on this. I didn't give opinions on the situation. Um, you know, I, I think that today Providence College is a better job than Georgetown University because there's just more that's there at Providence. Look at the two teams right now, the way that they're setting up. And you can see that Providence is set up for success today. Uh, I also still cannot believe Ed Cooley did that. But I also, so here's the thing. It's his life. It's his life. We all make choices in life. Now, right now, on the outsider's view, I would say I can't believe that he that he left. Georgetown, going after a Big East coach. Everybody's going to have a different opinion of that. Georgetown is in desperate need of someone who can win games for them. <clears throat> and, yeah, your first call would have been him. Do you ever think they thought that, that they would hire him? No. No. You know, he's got to be the one that, that makes that decision. He made his decision. Uh, he made his, his choice. He's off to Georgetown. Providence is in great hands. Providence is in great hands. And they have a desirable place to win and a desirable job. So, and and a, a fan base that, frankly, is wild to the nth degree in passion. And Georgetown's got to have that build up. So there's more work to be done with the Hoyas. And Ed Cooley has a lot of, of work to do. Can he do it? Well, yes, he can do it. If you say that he can't, then that's, you know, that's what have we been watching the last decade, right? But I also, I, I, I think we're all still stunned. I don't think, I, I don't think that astonishment has, has removed at all. Um, I'm curious to see how this all works out. But the three of us get to cover the game uh, when Georgetown goes up to Providence. I'm not playing nor coaching in it despite what some people may think, or uh, I might carry some water to the game. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> maybe I should carry, maybe I should go holes on everybody like the Disney movie and yeah, dress up like zero. Yeah, that's right. Maybe I should do that. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's calling. Um, <laughs> the holes reboot featuring John Fanta. Yeah. Maybe I'll carry like a big um, office cooler of water to that game. But uh, honestly, all in good fun, all in good fun. And, and you know what? I, I think, again, I think today, if you guys look at the state of these two programs, there's no doubt in my mind that Providence is in a better spot. And I think it also shows, too, where it was a stunning move. But yep. the fact that, and again, anybody put into the situation that Kim English was put into, you were going to get judged heavily. And he came out on top. I mean, he bought into the culture. He created the mindset, right? And it's like, it's all over billboards and t-shirts and all of that stuff. But also the fact that key players remained with the program, that they bought into the system as well, I think made the transition a little bit smoother and a lot more favorable for Friar fans, Big East fans, and, and basketball fans as a whole. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, but it was a it was a fascinating time um, because I, I couldn't believe I, I couldn't believe the direct messages inbox. <laughs> couldn't believe some of the. Rep- I mean, sometimes she genuinely, genuinely. I knew that I was trying to do my job. Um, I I also knew. I also knew that that some of the content I was posting was going to uh, certainly have differing opinions on it, and uh, reading the comments was was pure entertainment. I'm sure it was. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you're such a good sport about the people saying like stop carrying everybody's water and all that. It's it's actually it's funny. It is. It is funny. It is funny. I mean, I you know. Like I said, it was kind of, you go down there. I, I, and I sat down with Ed and I asked him some of the real questions. Now, I'll be very clear on this to the Twitter sphere and to the people who listen to the show. There were some people out there who were messaging me saying, you are unwilling to ask the quote, um, real questions. And all I would say is, is that, we cover these coaches and players as the coaches and players in the basketball world. All right. Jake and Will and myself and anybody else. um, There are questions that are fair game for us to talk about. And there are questions that we as journalists do not ask. Okay. Uh, And I have, I haven't, I don't even care. Your guys' business is not my business. You know, there is, and that's how we conduct ourselves. So uh, I know that there were people out there who were like, you know, you need to ask about this, or you need to ask about that, or you need to ask about this. We're there to talk about the business of basketball. Okay. Um, we're not there to speculate. All right. That's, that's a big takeaway that I had from covering this whole story as well. So we've got the Providence-Georgetown saga covered. I want to talk about UConn because obviously this is a program that is now a dynasty. You can look at it, whatever words you call it, you can use the word blue blood, you can use whatever other word you want to define UConn as, but it's clear, you know, they're not screwing around. So you covered this team pretty heavily. You were at most of the stops after the sweet 16 with UConn. What'd you notice from this group this year? That they took on the identity that they were not going to be told anything other than we're going to win the national championship in the NCAA tournament. They didn't care what people said. They didn't give an inkling of thought to what was on the outside. Jordan Hawkins said it best. He said, we're kind of a group of assholes, <laughs> but we're nice assholes. He said that at the final four. And he was right. They turned into one tough MF and team. They just kicked people's behinds all throughout the tournament. It was dominance. And they figured out the fact that if they played their best, Jake, nobody could beat them. That 14-0 start wasn't just some fluke. 
Does the Big East humble you? I think we saw how good the Big East is. When they go on a stretch where they're just losing games, they can't figure it out, they lost six of seven, and you're sitting there saying, what is going on with this team? What is going on with this team? You know, you're sitting there wondering what's happening, right? They processed all of the tough times and they figured it out. So in your eyes, what did what did happen though? Because they started off so hot. They went 14 and 0 to start the year. And then there was, I remember, I'm sure you do too. I'm curious if you felt this way that a lot of people said, what the F is going on with UConn in the middle of the year? Are they a fraud? And they came yeah. rolling back, as you mentioned. But what what did happen with that group? Two things happened. One, Andre Jackson learned how he could be the right part of UConn's offense. So Dan Hurley had him stuck out on the perimeter. And Jackson was getting played off of by the defense. When he was on offense, he was unsure of what to do. What they did is they moved Andre Jackson to the baseline, or they moved him to make movement in the offense, move off screens, get to the rim. Everything became, we're going to get this guy active to the rim. He's not a perimeter shooting shooter. Maybe that'll come if he gets confident hitting shots at the rim, and then it did come. So for me, that was number one. Jake, number two is Tristan Newton. Yeah. Tristan Newton became a different player in the last six weeks of the season than he was previously. He was great. He was money. He was in rhythm. He initiated things. He had big-time shots. I just thought he took on the identity of a Connecticut point guard. That It started with a mentality approach that I referred to with what Hawkins told me. But strategy-wise, you got to give Dan Hurley a lot of credit. This team, defensively, was a solid enough team. Now, they they went through a bad run. That's another thing. Their man-to-man defense, when they were losing games, when they lost at home to Xavier, Xavier carved them up. Mm. Carved them up. Their defense could not. that more, too, because they had a few of those games down the stretch that they just, they collapsed, right? I'm sure you remember Seton Hall at the Rock was a, a game that they should have won and they lost in the late stages. The yeah. same deal with with Xavier, obviously, walking into their their home turf and, and picking them off, right? Is that more of the teams they were playing just getting hot at the right time, or was that UConn's defense collapsing? A little bit of both. UConn leveling off, and you can't possibly be unbeaten. And then how do you deal with losing? They didn't deal with losing well. Right. But the other thing is this. They allowed their missed shots to dictate how they defended. So when a lot of people are like, well, they became a better defensive team. I mean, maybe they were more conscious guarding. But you know what they did? They said, how do we become a better offensive team for us? How do we get Jackson in the right place? How do we get Tristan Newton playing point? How do we realize, and Jake, they realize this. They realize that Jordan Hawkins is a top 15 NBA draft pick. And they said, we're going to start feeding him the ball, and we're going to just let him cook. I also think they did a great job in season ensuring that Adama Sunoco didn't get gassed and didn't get worn down. That's why Donovan Klingon was so important. 
he was the perfect compliment to Sonogo to getting Sonogo a break. And Sonogo didn't wear down, and he was an All-American. So a bunch of contributing factors. Depth was real with this team. They had several options between Nahima Lean off the bench, Joey Calcaterra. They had those options. But it was also that I think that their rut was a product of Big East basketball, not handling losing well, but then sometimes allowing what you did on offense to then dictate what you do on defense. And what they said is, how do we fix this offense? And they fixed it. They really did. I mean, they looked like a well-oiled machine. They, they were physically unstoppable in this tournament. I mean, there was never a single point in any of their six games that you thought, wow, UConn's in serious jeopardy of losing this one. Not once. Not once. And it's incredible. Um, speaking of that, you interviewed pro- – this has to be top five or one interviews of your lifetime. I mean, you interviewed Bill Murray uh, after the the UConn-Gonzaga game. That's not something where everybody knew what was going on. Everybody said, wow, what's, what the hell's Bill Murray doing at this game? Obviously, he's Luke Murray, the assistant coach's father. But how cool is that for you? Did you have to pinch yourself? Like, you've done – you've called national broadcasts with Bill Raftery. You've done all of this cool stuff. <laughs> but I would imagine that was a special time interviewing one of the most recognizable actors that's alive right now. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. It was absolutely a uh, an item that you never even put on the list. You never even say, like, I want to interview Bill Murray someday. But he is Luke's dad, uh, who's on the UConn staff. And he was sort of pacing around the floor after that Elite Eight game. And I just simply went up to him and I said, Bill, would you be willing to talk with me for a moment? And he was given the sign-off. Uh, by his daughter-in-law and <laughs> and here we go we went and i didn't know where that conversation was going to go it turned into a chicken fried steak in houston <laughs> it was fantastic he could not have been kinder with his time and i'll tell you what you know what i always say to people if you if you look at somebody and you think maybe i want to interview them the worst thing they could tell you is no and then they look they kind of look like the jerk yeah go up to him and say hello uh, and that's what I did. And he was amazing with his time and funny and talking about going to a birthday party and that he couldn't conduct himself all day in Vegas. He didn't know where anything was. He was Bill Murray in the flesh. Uh, I felt like we were not acting, but I felt like I was in an SNL skit at the time. And those two minutes, it was, it was great. It was, uh, that's one I will never forget. It truly will never forget. Uh, Jake, you, you said it best. I mean, you don't even imagine doing those things. And and there he was. I was going to say, right? Like, that's not something you go into this world thinking like, yeah, I'm going to interview Bill Murray and that's going to be the highlight of my career. But it's one of those things you, you could even tell. You approached it, you went up to him and said something like, well, you've been to a lot of sporting events. You know, where does this rack up? Because you can't ask him to break down offenses and things like that. But God, what, a, what an awesome experience that must have been. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, off that, too, I mean, Dan Hurley was a guy that really showed this year that he's open to the media, right? He spent a lot of time with you guys, He and he showed that he's sort of a down-to-earth guy as well. So, I mean, for you, what were your favorite moments of getting to know Dan Hurley this year, and what were, what were some of those things that he said that really opened your eyes? 
what I learned about Dan was just how big of a family guy he is. His wife, Andrea, means everything to him. You know, he taught, he told me about his time at Seton Hall. And Dan had a tough path. He had a tough path at, at Seton Hall as a student. He, he did run into some drinking problems. And his wife really saved him. Andrea really saved him as long as some, along with some people that are at the university. And he, he, uh, he's indebted to them. And he really does love his wife uh, with, a, with a passion. So I, I just look at, at Dan as being a great, great family guy, being a guy who just takes the job so seriously, too seriously. It's like a drug to him. That's what I learned about him. It's like a drug. He figured out, though, Jake, that if he let this team play, if he let them go, he assembled this roster. He assembled this group. He'll get them to run sets. He'll get them to run actions. But he doesn't need to argue with any ref because his team's better than the other team if they played to the level they're capable of. I think they really focused on themselves. I think Dan focused on himself. I think we saw him take a huge maturity step this season. Huge. In the last month and change of the season, he let his team play. That's a sign of a great coach. They don't get in the way. They let them go. And I'll tell you what, I was really, really impressed. I was really, really impressed uh, by, by his evolution. But the kind of family guy he is, uh, the kind of leader he is, all those things and more. Dan Hurley shined. He shined uh, this year. And I, I learned I learned that he's a unique individual. Uh, he's a guy who likes hot yoga and saging, <laughs> saging a court, uh, putting incense around the court. He's a unique individual, but there's only one. He's one of one. And he really takes ownership. This job affects him personally in a big, big way. He takes his work home with him. His work is his life, and he wants to win. And in a lot of ways, that fits Connecticut because there's a heavy, heavy passion to win. When you were in school at Seton Hall, he, and he was coaching at Wagner, and then he went to Rhode Island, obviously, was there – I don't know if you had a relationship at all with him or covered Wagner at all, but did you – do you look back on those and say, well, yeah, this all makes sense because of how he was then? Or, like, is there a little bit of element to, wow, we should have seen this coming? Well, I think that when you look at what he did at Rhode Island, he won multiple NCAA tournament games at Rhode Island. You have to look at that and say, wow. Wow. I mean, he did a great job at URI. He lifted the standard there. So when you do that, yeah, we should have seen it coming. We we should have. I think we all knew that he would elevate UConn. I think there were doubters that UConn could still be what they were, Jake. There shouldn't have been. The move back to the Big East really, really helped UConn in so many ways. In so many ways. And it helped the Big East in even more ways, in even more ways. So I think that all of that made for the perfect storm. But, yeah, this shouldn't be a surprise. Connecticut's got rich tradition, top-end resources. They're a state school. They have a great fan base, and they can get top-end talent. 
They have everything you want in a winning program. And I think you also have to credit Dan's staff. I mean, Kamani Young's ready to be a head coach. Tom Moore's been in that spot. And Luke Murray could be a head coach. And that's sort of what – that's a big point with this program that I was going to bring up, too. I mean, you look at Kamani Young. He's got grassroots New York basketball experience. He's a developer. You look at Tom Moore, who's Connecticut basketball royalty at Quinnipiac and other schools. And then Luke Murray, who was in – he was talking as recently as a couple years ago. He emerged as a potential candidate when Fordham was looking and some other openings. Like, you know, I wonder how much of that – I guess my point is I wonder if they're going to stick around and are they Hurley guys or are they, you know, like the way that Hurley talks about young, is he a future head coach potentially? Right. So, I mean, how much credit you have to give to this assistant coaching staff is, is just instrumental. Yeah. You have some guys who are more than capable of being head coaches. You have some guys who have turned down head coaching opportunities to continue on at UConn because they're making great money. They're making as much, if not more, than what some of these other jobs would pay. Not as not as much, but close to it. And UConn can pay them. And they like being there. They like being on the, on the mountaintop. And when you taste it, you want more of it. Do you want to go to a job that's, that's in the America East or the NEC or the MAC? I love those conferences. And take that job and have to build, 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 build. It's hard. It's hard. Now ask Jared Grasso right now how he feels. Yeah, it's it's not easy because you could be a real you could be a really good coach, but it might take time for you to finally level up. Whereas maybe maybe if you stay around at UConn, you keep winning at a very high level, you might get a job that you might not have otherwise gotten because you've won to the degree you've won at UConn. I think that's why Kamani sort of waited. Yeah, and. It's it's interesting because I think it speaks to the culture there, right? It's like, you know, this place, I, I loved your column at the end of the year where you sort of let it off with how to get to UConn, right? You get off I-84 and you just see woods and random farms and things like that. And your first question is, why am I in the right place? But it's the basketball capital of New England, some would argue, um, which leads to my point. Do you have any good food recommendations up there? Because there's a lot of those, too. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of those. I mean, up by stores, stores doesn't have a ton of great places to eat. Yeah, I guess like Willington, Mansfield, Tolland area. Yeah, you'd have to go over there. I mean, I like the um... – oh, my gosh. How am I, how am I dropping, <laughs> dropping this name right now? Hold on a second. Not Ryan's Deli, are you thinking of, right? No, I love that. Yeah. I love, I love that. Um, you know, I like, I like Ted's Bidwell Tavern. Oh, sure. It's great. I love the Bidwell. Their wings are excellent. They have live entertainment. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Bidwell. I like Ted's for some Mexican food. I do end up over there. Um, and the cheap beer helps too. And cheap beer helps too. And where's my other place that I frequent? over there uh, that I enjoy. I have I'm going to put in a shameless plug for Willington pizza over there too. Not bad. Yes. You got to get over there if you haven't. Yes. Willington pizza. I've never been to. I've never, I've never been to Willington pizza. Yeah. So there, there's a couple of those, couple of those spots. Um, Willington pizzas. I'm going to add to my, I just, oh, I just see Willington pizza. They have four stars. There you go. Not too bad. 
Look at you. Okay. All right. It's, it's on there. Wellington it's Pizza. John Phantom may just put the stamp of recommendation on it, folks. We'll see. I'm going to – oh, Red Rock, too. I end up at Red Rock sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like I like this. You've, you're delivering me a recommendation as well. So those are some of the spots I enjoy. We may have to come out and take the hour 15, hour 20 or so ride on all back roads from Rhode Island to, to come see a game this year, meet you over there. We'll, we'll go get some pizza. We'll go hit a game at Gamble. Love it. Yeah, that'd be it's fun. Plan. That would be great. That would be great. Um, that being said, you know, as, as we start to sort of go towards closing this out, what do you – you covered a lot of moments. What do you think, besides what we've already talked about with the Providence-Georgetown saga with UConn this year and, and making the run they did, what was your favorite moment to cover that wasn't any of those? Well, I just think FDU was amazing. Tobin Anderson and the Knights to take down – the college basketball equivalent of Godzilla in Zach Eady and Purdue was absolutely unbelievable. Just stunning. And whereas UMBC beat Virginia and it was a blowout, Virginia was missing a key player in that game. But, but nonetheless, UMBC won that game in commanding fashion. This was a game, a tight game. And when the game was in the balance, FDU was making all the plays. It was really, really unbelievable. For a school in Teaneck, New Jersey, for a school that, that frankly, when if you talk about basketball programs in the country, Jake, they have to have the, some of the least amount of resources that you would find. And for them to pull that off, wow. Unbelievable. I love the story. Everything about it. And just this New Jersey dimension. For Princeton, yeah, I mean, that team, Osan Awolma, he became everybody's one of everybody's favorite players in the in the tournament. I mean, he's already on the top uh, tournament, like all tournament teams, as yeah. a a scrappy forward from Princeton. That's unbelievable. He was amazing, and they just they went on an unbelievable run. They didn't beat Missouri; they crushed Missouri. That, that was not a game. And they lost to they lost to Creighton, but they played Creighton really tough. But yeah, I, I was so impressed by them. And then just Kihei Clark, Kihei Clark delivered one of the all time passes in NCAA tournament history when <laughs> for when the wrong reasons Purdue, <laughs> and he delivered one of the all time worst passes in NCAA tournament history when he threw the ball away. And Pegues, JP Pegues hits an amazing shot for Furman to help them to shock the world, shock Virginia. And for the Furman Paladins, that was a defining moment for them. So I loved it. It was the tournament in all its glory. And, and Lamont Butler, San Diego yeah. State, Lamont Butler was literally steps away from that. I, I, I was on that side of the floor in press row and saw that like here. It was unbelievable watching that live. I mean, for the people that say – you had a really interesting tweet to this and you were listing out all of this mayhem, right? It's like this many one seeds gone, this many two seeds gone. We've got a nine versa. We've got a nine versus five seed in, in the final four. And for those people that say, wow, that sucks for this sport. It's just, first of all, it's so untrue, but you know, number two, what do you say to the folks that 
that for college basketball, they're just not on like they are maybe the NBA, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, for the reason that, oh, the best teams don't get to the final weekend. What do you say to those folks? What are you watching? (laughs) Come on. Do you want it to always be predictable? Also, these teams were really, really, really good. San Diego State has gotten disrespected nationally. But that program has had a wildly strong record over the last four or five years, Jake. So to the people who said that they're not as good as other teams, they were tougher, tougher than almost every team in the country. 32-7. and It's not like this team lost 10 or 11 games or lost a bunch of games in in the Mountain West. They lost three games in the Mountain West. Mountain West is a good conference. It's a and it's become a really strong conference uh, at the table. So I don't want to hear it. Miami, Miami was the most dangerous team in the ACC throughout the season. Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack, that backcourt, you would if you name best backcourts in the country, they were up there. They were up there. So and FAU, you know what? They got misseated. FAU got misseated. I don't, I don't know what the committee could have done differently. We've seen this happen before. Be, but, you know, look at the tournament. Memphis was tough as nails. Memphis almost beat FAU. Like, these games come down to one or two possessions. You're going to have variants. You're going to have different teams. To me, the biggest disrespect, the biggest disrespect is San Diego State. Because San Diego State, I'm doing the math in my head right now, in the last four years now, has gone – 108 wins, 108 wins to 23 losses. Oh, my God. To 23 losses last four years. Come on, people. You have to realize how good this program is. So I don't want to hear that the the best team wasn't included. We saw great teams. We watched the tournament for the art of the upsets. And previously, your argument might have been somewhat valid if the upset teams eventually fizzled out to a large degree. But those upset teams, Jake, kept it competitive when they were advancing. They really did. I I have nothing additional. That was perfect. That was beautiful. Uh, A beautiful homage to the sport. I did not know San Diego State was 108 and 23 in the last four years. That's unbelievable. Credit to Brian Dutcher, but I mean, he's done this before. He's built the the Fab Five at Michigan. A couple other guys on his coaching staff did the same thing. It's a guy that knows what he's doing. So a beautiful sport, truly. Truly is. Um, you is. have recently got into the TikTok world. So firstly, are, are should we expect some, are you going to do some dances or are you going to, you know, maybe, you know, what, what content, <laughs> on a serious note, what content should we see? Yeah, you'll see basketball breakdowns you'll see some sports takes and breakdowns i might venture into some of my other sports areas and go on some rants uh where people can check that out you can't at least try the gritty or something no i'm not (laughs) i'm not gonna make myself look ridiculous um we'll go to some restaurants maybe i might do some some food takes of you know here's when i go out to dinner here's what i order I think a lot of people are are genuinely interested. Uh, maybe maybe based on some of the tweets. So we'll we'll do some food. We'll do some hoops. 
Uh, we'll do some rants. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm trying to think of something where I can, you know, do 45 seconds on this Hunter Dickinson situation. Sometimes, Jake, I have these quick thoughts, and I typically will tweet them. So I'm like, you know what? How can I put them in a quick TikTok? And are people interested in that quick take? I actually think yes, they are. They're very interested in that stuff. So I'm, I'm thinking of doing that. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. TikTok's very different. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of venturing into that world. I think I love the food ideas. That's, that's pretty fun. You go somewhere to eat, you do a little quick review. People eat that stuff up. No pun intended. I just said, yeah, they do. No, they do. You're right. You're right. Um, that being said, what are some of the new food spots you've you've hit up in in Jersey? Because you've uh, you've recently fled to the suburbs. A couple of you've been there for a while now, actually. Yeah, right? I'm in Budin now. I'm in Budin, so I'm looking out at the woods. Um, I'm in North Jersey, <laughs> and, and uh, yep, we're there's no we skyscrapers. Are you confused on where you ever oh, wake up in the middle of the night? Like, oh yeah, man. you're right. No, I mean you wouldn't know it from Ohio just by looking out my window, which I love. I'm, I I love being up here. Uh, we love being up here and, uh, and we've, we've got more spots to hit. We love going in Budin. We love going to Delizia's. They have great pizza. We love going to Roma's. They have great pasta. We love going to a place named Chili Willie's. Mm. I just hope there's someone around, around New Jersey that's listening to this that can say, Oh my gosh, I go to those places too. Um, in Denville, the pasta shop is amazing. Sergio's is fantastic. There's a bunch of really good good spots. Um, South Orange, you know, near my alma mater. I love heading to Reservoir for dinner. Love heading to Reservoir for dinner. It's cash only. That's when you know it's really good. Um, but but yeah, there's fortunate to have a bunch of really good eats. I'm trying to think of other spots. You know what? When I'm around St. John's, I hit Aquistas. I love Aquistas for Italian food. I really really do. It's it's great stuff. Um, where else here? That's a good point. Has Rick Pitino uh, identified his favorite spots over there yet, or no? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to see what what he's been busy putting together a roster. He's been busy putting together a roster. They've made several additions here now. I mean, seven or eight guys that have come on, and and I think they've got one or two more roster slots, and things are lining up for them quite well. But um, you know, or at least solidly, anyways, heading into his first year at the helm i'm i'm there's not a more compelling storyline in my opinion than patino in new york i just think it's block it makes sense right it's a beautiful harmony that this guy that you know he he did what he did he served through his investigation he cooperated he was basically exonerated and now he's at he's back in the big east again like again. there's no better story than that that's wild yeah, you're right. You are absolutely right. It, it has been a wild story. And it has been a story that I look at and say, you know, how does this story come to an end? Patino has had the ups. He's had the downs. The 30 for 30 on him will be amazing. <laughs> What's the conclusion of this story? Does it end in winning fashion? Does it end with a championship? What if Rick Pitino won the Big East championship under the bright lights of Madison Square Garden? Does he go out on top? We'll see. I wouldn't bet against him. Wow. That is 
it's just fascinating to put that into perspective when you're like, wow, this documentary is going to be incredible because it is, he is, he is one of the most interesting men in this sport right now because he's coached at the high school and uh, pro level internationally. He's coached at Providence. He coached at BU. He's coached the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks. Yeah. And then he's coached, obviously, he did his Louisville. He took his time off. And then he went back to Iona, started again, rebuilt his legacy. And he gets to potentially, you know, all bets would consider probably this being his last stop, right? As, you know, as he goes into his 70s. But, but wow, what a story. That is incredible. And he seems to be embracing this, you know, like I, I think he seems very grateful. I'm not sure if that's your perspective. He is very grateful. He is grateful. This is a thrill for him. He's excited that they gave him an opportunity. A lot of people didn't think that would ever happen. Uh, But Brian Shanley, the former Providence president, was not going to let a Providence guy go. Really. And Rick Pitino loves Providence, always has. If that job had opened and and there had been other circumstances, he would have taken that. But for him, New York City, St. John's, he doesn't have to move. His wife doesn't have to move. They're in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, we'll do one last NBA pulse check here. Um, yeah, we already talked about the Knicks in Miami, but I want to talk about the Lakers and the Warriors as well. Um, this could be the last time, and I, people say this every year, but it could be the last time we see Steph and LeBron facing off in a high-stakes playoff game together. Is this something that, like, I, I feel like a lot of people don't appreciate the significance of what we're actually watching here. I mean, what what does that mean for this sport to have these guys go at it again in their mid to late 30s? Yeah, it's, it's outstanding. It's fantastic for the league. We don't realize how great they are. LeBron James is a transcendent player who has just defined – he's redefined the NBA over the course of his career. And what about halfway through that point, Jake was a guy who's come in and redefined the three point shot, redefined the perimeter game. Steph Curry changed basketball. LeBron James, LeBron James changed basketball. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about Kevin Durant's really, really good. He hasn't changed basketball. All right. Joel Embiid hasn't changed basketball. Giannis is an interesting player. He's unique. He's a unique athlete, but he hasn't changed the game, right? These guys have changed the sport. LeBron James is responsible for an era, if not multiple eras. Stephen Curry is responsible for a legitimate principle change in how the sport is played. So this is a textbook type of series, right? You know when you're in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade and you have the uh, the history book or you're starting to learn about different things through time and like at the end of the unit, they, they also show like, oh, this happened in sports or that happened in sports and you kind of laugh because you're like, oh, that was the one part that I knew. I didn't know the other stuff. That happened <laughs> this is going to be something that we talk about. You know, and whether it's this series or another, like LeBron James and Steph Curry are – when, when people talk like, oh, back in the day, Bird and Walt and uh, Wilt, and like, you know, when they talk about those greats, right? This is what today's greats are. 
to the highest degree. And at the end of their careers, this is reinvigorating, not the end necessarily for Steph, but you know, who knows how much longer he has of this, this level. LeBron has sort of aged like this fine wine where he's just kind of figured out how he needs to make it work at his age. And he's done a great job of it, Jake. But this is, these are two guys who have redefined the way the game's played. And this series is really special. In a lot of ways, it's a celebration of the last decade and change of basketball because these two have shaped the way the league is. And I think it's become an amazing face-off. And uh, honestly, uh, my pick is the Lakers. Wow. I, just, I think that they're playing better. And I think that the Warriors' defense is a huge concern. And if and Anthony Davis is unbelievable uh, when he decides to be. So I'm going to side with LA. Yeah, when he decides to play, for sure. Um, you know – what – with that being said, do you think the Lakers have the, the juice to go the distance this year? Like they win this one against Golden State, you think they can – you think they can go all the way? The Lakers? Yes. They've got LeBron James and they've got Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves has fit into this role and they've developed a supporting cast that's done a nice enough job. Absolutely, the Lakers can win the world championship. Absolutely. And if LeBron James wins that title, if he wins this year, I think that the arguments are over. I really do. I think you're probably right. It is. A lot of people said that about Tom Brady, too. It's like, all right, one more ring, one more ring. Right? Yeah, one away. Yeah, LeBron's one away from putting, putting anything that you've got to bed. So if they could beat the Warriors, now – I got to tell you, Denver, L.A. would be incredible from a basketball standpoint. Denver's for real. They are they are getting totally overshadowed. I don't know why. I, I know why. They play in Denver, and they don't have LeBron or KD. So in the West, there's only so many headline takers. The Nuggets are outstanding. I, I think the Lakers can win the title. I think the Nuggets will beat them in a series, and I think the Nuggets could be the champions. Hmm. I'm going to take the Nuggets to win the NBA title. Wow. So in that vein, who's coming out of the Eastern Conference? We talked about how good the Heat are. Boston's an option, but the Sixers are looking like they took game one um, in Boston, which TD Garden is cursed, mind you, I think, after the past week or so. Um, Who do you like out of the East? Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to take Boston. I think they figure it out, and they still find a way in this series. I think it was a reality check, a tough loss. But I just think Tatum and Brown and this team it, – it, the, the, my concern with Boston is their defense. Yeah. They have not defended well in the playoffs. Miami's tough. I mean, I got to tell you, and maybe it's just my lack of faith in the Sixers' big picture, but – I think Miami's going to beat the Knicks. I think wow. it'll be Miami and, and either Boston or, or, or Philly. And then, man, I mean, I might side with Miami. But I'll, I'll my pick will be the Celtics. I think that they've got it out. They find a way. How cool would a Boston-New York uh, Eastern Conference final be, though? 
Like, yeah, either or. Awesome. For that. Oh, it'd be amazing. Knicks, Knicks, Celtics would be amazing. Nick Sixers would be amazing. Yeah, true. Yep. New York Philly would be unbelievable. Would be really incredible because you got two, you got passionate fan bases wherever you look. But yeah, a, a Nick Celtics Eastern Conference Finals would be a ratings machine for Adam Silver. He would be <laughs> he would be Scrooge McDuck in the gold coins. <laughs> oh yeah. man, that would be certifiably incredible. Um, yes, it would be. Wow. Yeah, to close out, I um, thought we are going to get Will back by now, but it's <laughs> but we're rolling. We're rolling. He got his questions in before. Um, crystal ball, right now, where do you think Hunter Dickinson's going? If you're, if you're privy to say. Yeah, I think, I think he'll end up at Maryland. Yeah? I think he'll stay close to home. I think he's going to go close to home. And I think he ends up playing for Kevin Willard. If not Maryland, I think Kansas. Yeah. Interesting. This is a fascinating situation, though. I know there's a lot of people who are kind of uh, annoyed with this, or they get it. But you know what, Jake? Hunter Dickinson is worrying about Hunter Dickinson. And he has maximized his brand and maximized NIL to the nth degree. And people might be a little rolling their eyes or whatnot. I think he's a genius. Yeah. I really do. I think he has Aaron Rodgers' this situation. And Aaron gets hated on, but now Aaron made his decision and it's done. But for a while, who was the center of the discussion in the NFL? Aaron Rodgers. They say if you're getting talked about, it's a good thing. Hunter Dickinson's been talked about quite a bit. It's good for college basketball. College basketball has a really interesting storyline in May. Is he a villain, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, but there's not. But I, I like villains. Like, I, I also think we need, we need villains. Villains are good why does a show have a villain? Because they're good for the show. Yeah. So I don't think it's a villain in a bad way. I think he's a, he's a different cat, and I don't mind it. He's, he's more of a heel than a villain, right? Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because he's a good dude. He seems like a genuinely like a good yeah. guy, but I think he's also easy to root against. Good dude, but yes. No question about it. No yeah. question about but he's it. He's a heel. He's college basketball's heel. I can't name you a better one than he is right now. No. No. Maybe um, Ed Cooley. <laughs> That's it. Right. Well, Ed Cooley, it depends on who you ask. They might have more strong words than villain for him. That's up here. true. But, That's, yeah. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. a world. Um, that'll be a very cool storyline to follow. Um, John Fanta, this is your sixth appearance. Um, any, any closing thoughts for appearance number six on the Beers, Business, and Balls podcast? Well, great to move into a tie for first place. Not sure how the tiebreaker gets determined. Maybe it's a uh, maybe it's a drink-off. In that case, I think I would win. Uh, but Beers, Business, and Balls has been fantastic to me, and it's great to be on with you guys again for number six. Lucky number seven is next. We just need the extra point. Like my Browns need a kicker. Uh, I'm going to try oh. to do the uprights uh, next year, and I can't wait until that time comes. But I appreciate you guys. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, and happy anniversary. Triple B is the best. Triple B going for three uh, three years. I like it. I, I love all the threes there. Um, yes. Yeah, we'll save the Browns talk for another day once we get closer to the season. But can't sure. thank you enough, sir. Uh Best of luck with you. And you got a wedding to plan for. So enjoy that. Um, enjoy that time. And we will see you soon.
Thanks, Jake. Appreciate you. And great to be on with you guys, as always. And that was just Dave Silverman and John Fanta. Again, this is like the second time you've done this to me in 10 episodes. I don't know how to bring us back from an interview. We just flip it. I don't know what I'm doing. Out in the middle, and that was just two hours of listening. Over two hours of listening. I know. I don't know. This is an unfamiliar place for me at the end of the show. I don't know how to close things. Um, Three years. Three years, 128 episodes. I think I was doing the math that averages out to uh, we've only there are only like 10 weeks in there that aren't that we don't have episodes on. Uh, We always take a a holiday break. True. Yeah. Like 10 weeks. That's what? Three, uh, three weeks a year sprinkled in one of them for holidays. So. Uh, that's, that's all we, uh, great episode. I think we're going to run this next week, but we will, we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, if we don't, you'll, you'll know, we'll keep teasing it. Or maybe we, we went, just, we went from like stockpiling a lot of episodes to like, oh shit, we got to record some more episodes <laughs> real quick. Yeah. Cause we're, well, we were, we were like, all right, we've, our plans got screwed up with our with our scheduling conflicts, but it worked out because now yeah. we're uh, we will run a an on site brewery interview. If you've made it this long, um, it's a Rhode Island brewery and a a beer that if you are in New England, you have probably had before, and that's what we'll leave it. Um, and then some other cool bookings that we're working on. So. Interesting shit. Very interesting. Any closing thoughts? Here's to the next three. How many do we have to? Is there like a super crushy besides a platinum crushy? I guess. I don't know. I think that we will, by the way, folks, be reaching out to the other platinum crushy members, and we're gonna we're gonna get some collabs going. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of. A lot of beer episodes in sight. A lot of yeah, we got a we got a summer to plan. We've got a summer. To Excellent. That's one twenty eight. That's the three year anniversary episode. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Thanks for listening. Remember to hit the follow button on Spotify and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram and check out house-enterprise.com for all of our content. There's also no better way to end this podcast than a note from our partners over at Manscaped. What guy or girl wouldn't want the right tools for the job? Head over to manscaped.com house or use the code house at checkout for 20% off and free shipping on your orders. See you next time. And remember, the house always wins.